Anthony. There's not enough room for a podcast. Your inventory's full. Isn't there? Damn it. I'll have to pick up something out of my inventory and throw it at somebody. You need to back out of this podcast, go into the menu, choose the weapon that's the most shit, throw it Mm. away, then go back into the podcast, and then start recording. That's your inventory's full. What if nothing's shit? What if I want everything? Well, you just can't have this podcast, then you're just going to have to leave leave it it here in the middle of a shrine and... You have room now? You got the room now? Because I'm ready to go. Yeah, I've got room. Yep. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Semicast. My name's David Shack, and I'm here with Anthony Murphy, who now has the inventory space needed for a podcast such as this one. How are you today? I threw away a torch. What if we need the torch? What if it's that quest where you need the torch? I'm sure they'll give you one. And then you spend hours looking around the whole of Hyrule. For a torch, mm. and then find one right next to the thing. No, I think it'll be good because I've got another torch. Are you do ah okay. You should only have one. They're pretty useless. Mm. Oh, it depends. I like setting people on fire in the game, not in real life. Well, you know, have you tried it in real life? You know, no, no. It's fine in, real life. in Zelda. You can shoot whatever you want in Zelda. Apparently, Link can shoot dogs, and he can shoot um, birds and whatever he wants. And they just turn into meat. You don't even have to skin them. Yeah, I felt really guilty uh, killing a horse the other day. <laughs> you killed a horse? I haven't tried killing a yeah. horse yet. Yeah, you can totally kill a horse. Did you do it on purpose or did you just shoot no. it with an arrow? No, I snuck up on it and shot it. <laughs> what type of meat does a horse drop? It's just regular meat. Oh. Horse meat. Everything that has four legs drops beef and everything that has two legs drops drumsticks. That's how the world works. Occasionally you can get a whole chicken out of a chicken. A whole chicken. Well, yeah, just not the drumstick. You can get a whole chicken or a whole bird, right. maybe, out of a bird. Okay. Well, that sounds worthwhile. Because that's how birds work. You would expect that unless the bird had some kind of trauma applied to it before you decided to consume it, you would get the whole bird. Oh, well. That's fun. That's a fun game. We've been uh, mm. Pretty much my whole week has been consumed with Zelda of some point, and there's been not much else going on. There's been yep. a lot of handheld Zelda and Zelda on the TV. I like. Having the option to do both ways. It's, it actually gets me out of the office and into the rest of the house and I can play it wherever I want. I prefer the handheld way, actually. Because yeah. I haven't got a chair where I can sit right in front of my TV. I haven't got a particularly large TV. How long do you think before they make the um, the magnifier things like from the original Game Boy so you can put it over the top? You got your magnifier and then you got your little um, curly light that goes off to the side and you've got your little case that you kind of whack it in. So it's going to end up to be... You know, the size of an Xbox by the time you've strapped all that shit to it. Never, not at all. I don't think any of that stuff matters. <laughs> I had all of that for my Game Boy original one. My Game Boy was encased in a shell of plastic that I paid a little bit of money for back then. I never had a Game Boy. No? No. I had a couple of uh, of those Game & Watch games, but not the actual flip-up ones. Ones like Scramble and Pac-Man that are worth an ungodly amount of money now. Okay. I somehow ended up with two copies of the Super Mario one that opens like a book, the purple one, where they're, um, oh. where they're working in a, in a bottle plant, packing bottles. My mother only admitted to me a couple of years ago that she used to play Pac-Man while I was at school. Really? So, and yeah. did she let you play Pac-Man when you weren't at school? Or was it just this hidden thing that she kept in her drawer? Well, no, she... It was my Pac-Man game, but she would finish what she had to do for the day and then she would just play Pac-Man every now and then. That's fair enough. My mum used to play Tetris a lot. Mm. She used to take well, great that's... pleasure in beating our scores, like staying up all night and playing Tetris. <laughs> <laughs> what, just 
Just saying in your face when you woke up in the Pretty morning. Pretty much. Just, she would just hand the Game Boy back to me, stone face, and go, here you go. <laughs> oh, shit. It was weird because she was so against all other video games that she had to have this secret little thing where- um, Pac-Man's fine. He just goes around in circles eating fruit, avoiding ghosts. That's no, how you should go about your life. You should always avoid was, ghosts and you should always eat your fruit. She was against the amount of time we spent on it. Oh, okay. Yet she would spend probably more because she would do it during the day. Probably. I don't know. I haven't gone too deeply into it with her. Was it just because you were playing Pac-Man when you should have been doing something else? Yeah, probably. When you should have been doing your homework? Other than that, I was taking apart the umpteenth set of walkie-talkies that they bought me and then not being able to put them back together quite right. Did you take them apart before they were broken? No, we, well, yeah, actually, we'd use them, and then eventually I'd, you know, I'd have to replace the batteries, and I'd take the batteries out, and I'd say, I wonder how all this electronic stuff works, and then I'd sort of pry a piece off to try and figure it out, and then they wouldn't just ever work again after that. So how does walkie-talkie work? Did you figure it out uh, by just unscrewing all the pieces? No. Or did you figure no, it out like later in life? Much later in life. Oh, well. Transforms your voice into radio waves and sends it across a frequency. Oh, okay. It wasn't just magic where you stuck batteries no. in. It wasn't because of the batteries. Yeah. But- I don't know how they deal with it these days because they used to be on the same band that anyone could use. So you'd yeah. hear like truck drivers and stuff like that. <laughs> yep. And we used to think that they would be able to not be able to hear us. So we'd be shouting all sorts of shit at them. And then they would and then one day, Well, then one day one of them did answer and we got so scared we pulled the batteries out of the walkie-talkie. <laughs> that guy's going to come around to your house. Yeah, pretty much. And yell at you we for- We were like seven or something. What did you used to yell at them? <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember. You- what would a kid yell at a truckie? <laughs> probably, sw- <laughs> probably swear words or something like that. I had uh, walkie-talkies that had a Morse code button. So, I would mm. just annoy people by hitting the <laughs> Morse code button really loud. <laughs> Which would be great if you're driving along, <laughs> just hearing like- <laughs> It's a very annoying sound. I wonder if they still have walkie-talkies for kids, or I wonder if they're more like closed 5G devices now. Um, My son had some at some point. They weren't very good. They didn't really work from one side of the house to the other, so I doubt they were annoying a truckie. They must be on such a a low radio wave frequency that you can buy them for two bucks. Mm. That was was some fun. I liked some walkie-talkies. I've always contemplated buying a CB radio, but I'm not sure how many people use them now. You want a scanner? Yeah, scanner would be awesome. My uncle had a scanner and he had the scanner in one room and then he had a speaker set up in the kitchen so he could just go about his business and just listen to the scanner. Mm. The problem is the most emergency services stuff is encrypted these days. Oh, can you get a decrypting scanner? No. Oh, that's probably well, a- illegal. Yeah, you you, yeah, you need to know what the encryption key is. Okay. That can't be that hard. Um, probably is. Probably is. That's probably why they encrypt it. So, what, you just get truckies and just other people with CB radios? I think some emergency services don't encrypt, but I, the, the the police definitely do. But all that should be online now, because I'm sure that you can go to a website and all the frequencies will be going into that and just streaming live over the internet. Surely somebody's yeah, doing probably. that. Yeah, but, but, but probably not the police at this stage. No. But someone could take the whatever emergency services signals that are out there and- Pipe them out through Twitch. I'm sure there's, yeah, there's a, yeah, definitely. a Twitch in real life channel of just a guy sitting in his basement with a CB radio listening to-, to. He's just got it tuned to every frequency and it's just pumping it out. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like fun, actually. My son was uh, talking about the uh, Russian number channels of all things the other day. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's gone deep into number stations. I don't think he's, he's actually ever heard one, but he's heard about them. And enough right. that he referenced them in a conversation. I was like, what the hell? 
We should give him a bit of UVB 76. I know. So. Well, I did say Anthony knows a lot about that, and you should probably talk to him next time you see him, but he didn't. Right. <laughs> he goes, oh, okay. Oh, cool. So Anthony no. runs his own number station. No. <laughs> there was a time where I considered how high could I put an antenna up in my backyard before the neighbours started to complain. You could hide it inside a tree. Or would that defeat the purpose of it being in? Yeah, that that would. Def- I think the tree. It needs to be clear of trees. Oh right, okay. You could disguise it as a tree. And by how high? I'm talking three stories. Oh right, yeah. Someone noticed that. Mm. Can you stick them on? I was going to say, can you stick them on the side of buildings? But you would, you would assume that buildings yeah. would just stick them on top of the buildings and then have it all done. When it gets to three stories, you need to start having guide wires and a frame to hold it because it's that heavy and tall. Do you need that to pick up a CB radio signal or just to transmit? No, that would be more if you wanted to do shortwave, like listen to voice of the people from North Korea or something like okay. that. Okay. So if you want to transmit, though, you need a, a, a huge aerial with a pirate flag on it. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is it like still legal to transmit over radio waves? Are oh, there, yeah. Are there yeah. pirate radio stations run out of the back of vans now still? Uh, I'm not sure that's... Most people have taken that onto the internet. It's a okay. bit, 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 bit easier. We should run our own pirate radio station, a semi-informatic pirate radio station. Yeah, the ACMA tends to look down on that. And oh. They tend to try to track you down pretty quick. Okay. But no, like a pirate radio station on the internet, isn't that like you can do whatever you want? We can just- it's, Yeah, yeah. Technically, it wouldn't be well, a pirate radio station. It'd just be us streaming some stuff. Technically, we are running a pirate radio station with this podcast. I oh, guess. awesome. It's just, it's just very sporadic transmissions. Semi-informatic pirate radio. Hmm. Maybe we can just stream 24 hours a day once we get enough material. Once we get- Tow us both outside the eight-mile limit. <laughs> Into the desert? No, no, off, offshore. Oh, right, when yeah, we're, yeah. When we're in international waters, we can run our own pro radio station. Run our own BitTorrent servers. Yep. Where- Well, probably- Well, we can do anything we want until the navies of the world show up to try to stop us. But isn't that then declared war and then we can fight back? How's that work? We I mean, can. If you go, it, just say I bought an oil rig and I mm. wanted to transmit pirate radio and run a BitTorrent server. You're going to call this Sea Land like that other guy did? Yeah. I'm going to call it uh, Oil Land. Oilville. Oil Land. Sounds very Mad Max. Oilio. I don't know. Whatever I end up calling it, I'm going to do that. So, is that technically illegal because I'm, I'm obviously in some foreign waters? Are there any waters that no one owns? Yeah, I think, well, international waters is kind of managed by the United Nations. I guess there might be a fully informatic on this next week because you're running into areas that I don't have a lot of experience with. Sounds right. Mm. Let's look into pirate radio. All right, let's do it. Offshore pirate radio. See. Maybe if we put the transmitter on a balloon and put it up into the stratosphere or something like that. I could get, just say I got a text-to-speech. I could I could run my own number station. You could. You wouldn't no even read. need text-to-speech. Well, uh, but yeah, but I wouldn't want to sit there reading it the whole time. No. Unless, of course, I get fired from my job and that's the only thing I'm good at doing is mm. talking numbers into a microphone. I don't think anyone's going to pay you for running a number station uh, somehow. My Russian number station would be called SIV28. No, SIN28, semi-automatic numbers right. 28, because they would only go up to 28. If you wanted to get in on actual illegal, and um, not illegal, but a legal number station, you'd have to approach the ACMA and get a license. You'd start with VKC would be your the start of your uh, call sign. What and what does VKC mean? It's the prefix for Victorian Amateur Radio yeah, okay. Operators. I can see myself doing mm. that out of a little bit. <laughs> you have to pass some exams. Oh, really? I can't just mm. load up a server and... No. Well, that doesn't sound any type of fun anymore. It's pirate, man. <laughs>
We can do a pirate number station. Hmm. All, well, do it all in. You the- can call it, call it. You don't have to call it something twenty eight. You call it whatever the hell you want at that point. And then instead of taking Bitcoin donations, we take them all in doubloons. Can you transfer doubloons to bitcoins easily? I don't know. Can you mine for doubloons? I don't know. You can melt down your graphics card and extract the gold from it and make doubloons that way. We're- Actually, VKC might be Victoria Police. Don't <laughs> don't get him. Don't use that as your call sign. But then I could go after other pirate radio stations. You could. You could, could pretend to be the police. That's, that's a, not illegal at all. I could be a vigilante radio station. And then we could form a posse of other vigilante radio stations and take out all the pirate radio stations. Pretty sure that's still illegal. Really? Yeah. Can't do anything fun. The damn fuzz taking our fun away. Yeah, well. I got down a well of finding out different slang terms for the police. One of my favorites is the Roses is a good one. Ah. And- uh, The fuzz. The fuzz. The- uh, the plod, I like a good English one. Uh, yeah, the plot. The, the English have a long history of not really liking the police. Uh, the twos and blues is a good slang term for the cop cars. Right. The five O. Everyone knows the five O. That's not really that fun. Mm. Even though I don't know what that means. Yeah, neither do I. Um, we'll we'll come back with some more, maybe later. Um, so how's Zelda been treating you? How's Zelda on the commute? Are you getting enough battery power to go the yeah, whole no, way back plenty. and forwards? Yeah, yeah, I got. I have a one and a half hour commute, two ways, so that's what three hours. Yeah, and my I think my battery's half empty by the time I finish. That's pretty good. And because yeah. people were saying, I mean, before it was released, it was getting kind of three hours. That was being the rumors. Mm. But if you're getting around that and a little bit more, that's good. Yeah, it's it's good. I, I'm not sure I like the weapons breaking all the time, but I seem to deal with it. There's a lot of weapons, and mm. often you use a couple in a fight. Although I'm finding yes. that later on. They last a little bit longer, but still, it doesn't make me want to use my fancy ancient shields and ancient swords and things I've found. Mm. You have the Baldur's Gate syndrome where you hold on to that potion for the whole game because you might need it and then you never use it. I wouldn't assume that the Master Sword would be a breakable weapon. Uh, I don't know. I haven't got it yet. I've seen it. I just haven't got it. Spoilers. I've seen it. Spoilers. Not really spoilers. I'm really liking that game. Uh, it's It's huge in a way where I think it's actually benefits a little bit from being the only game out at the moment for all that mm. system because good for that because you know otherwise it would be a failed release for the switch yeah because i mean and because it's potentially a hundred plus hour game and because there's nothing coming out for a couple of months i'm not inclined too much to rush my way through it i'm taking my time i'm i'm seeing a lot of things i'm kind of investigating little weird rock formations on top of mountains and things and finding some interesting things and there's a lot to see and do in there Mm, but I'm actually, pretty much doing the same thing. Yeah, but actually knowing that I'm not going to get something else on that thing for a, a couple of months it just makes you go a little bit slower. I mean, I'm sure you could mainline this and get it done in a week and a half, but that's not, I don't think, the right way to really, really enjoy the game. Yeah, no, lately my thing has just been cutting down trees and just pushing them around. Actually pushing the logs around that you yeah, drop from the yeah, trees. Yeah, just roll, rolling the logs onto people and things like that. <clears throat> Yeah, there's a lot of really weird things you can do or little interesting things you can do that, that they kind of really serve no purpose, but it's nice that they're there. Like you can uh, roll a log onto someone. Yeah. Can you I'm set not a- sure. I'm not sure it, there's, thing, there's nothing in the game that serves no purpose. Except for the, like the real, like running around in a circle when you're near a dog. That, I guess that <laughs> serves no purpose. Because so, if you do that, then the dog just starts running around in a circle too. I was feeding my dog fruit and then he found me a chest which was good because it had some oh, a nice good. weapon in it. He kind of looked at me and went, hur, hur, 
then ran off and found a tree and pointed <laughs> at the tree and there was a half buried chest. And I knew that dogs liked so much fruit. I don't know. I tried giving him meat and he just kind of looked at me. He did eat it. I mean, I, I probably could have given him more meat, but I didn't have any. So I gave him some fruit. He seemed to like that as mm. well. Not sure how I feel about the sensor that lets you um, find things. It doesn't seem to be much use to me. Because it just beeps a lot and you, it doesn't yeah. really tell you where things are, just where, where things are in the area. That's pretty much it. And it's quite a loud beep too. It's quite a really yeah, like actually, a piercing beep. I actually turned it off um, before I got the upgrade that allowed you to detect objects because it's like I don't want to know where the temples are. I don't really sort of – well, I'm not going to say I don't really care, but um, – I don't really need to know. I've turned it back on because I'm at a point now where I want more hearts. Right. So I'm actually actively looking for shrines. So, oh, okay. So being so you took you you took a photo of the shrine and then said, "Show me more of these." Well, no, the before you you've well, got the camera it detects it, it. It already did yeah. detect shrines, so that's cool. It was actually annoying for a long time, so I turned it off, and now I actually am turning it back on because a lot of those things are hidden; they're not just out and behind a rock or anything, you actually have to solve a puzzle. I actually really like the fact that there are shrines that the puzzle is inside the shrine, mm. and there are actually puzzles where the puzzle is finding the shrine. And then they don't go, because the first time I, I went to great lengths to find a shrine, and I was like, oh, they're going to make me do a puzzle inside the shrine as well, and all I want is just the heart. And they just went, oh, no, no, the puzzle was outside. Congratulations. Here's your chest. Here's your thing. Go. I was like, oh, that's kind of clever that they didn't feel like that they needed to stick to one way of doing it. No, it's good. That's It's definitely a good game. And there's some combat shrines as well, which are good. Although they all seem to be very, very yeah, similar. haven't done any of those. Those things seem hard. <laughs> yeah. Once you figure it out, I can knock them out pretty quickly now. Right. Well, I look forward to getting to that stage. Yeah. Um, I'm not impressed with the um, inventory management system, especially yeah. um, not having enough room for things and then having to go out of what you're doing Go into the menu like we were talking about earlier, and then you know, dropping the manually dropping the sword, then going back and then looting the chest again. It happens seems mm. to happen every time I pick up a new weapon. It's like, nope, you're already full. And I've upgraded my slots a lot to hold some more. You weapons. found the funny maracas guy. Yes, my um slot upgrader man. <laughs> okay, <laughs> not, not not sure he wants to be referred to as that. But. <laughs> All my slot upgraders have maracas. I don't know what you're doing. Oh, okay. He is. I, I actually really like him. He's he's kind of a bit kooky, but he's got his, his little dance. His maracas that shoot out confetti, which is which is good. I'll tell yep. you what I do love about the game, and that is the musical sound it makes while you're cooking. Yeah. <laughs> that makes cooking fun, even though the cooking yeah. is kind of annoying because you can't batch cook and, you know, it's kind of a, a guessing game where you can screw it up. I mm. really enjoy the cooking sound. And then um, there's just beatboxing it there. Yeah, and then the one that you get where you where you make something special and it goes a doop, 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 and then there's the opposite one where it goes down when you make something bad. Mm. And I really like the fact that when you make a bad dish, it it actually pixelates it out. It's yeah. like you made something so horrible, we can't even show you what it is. It's almost pornographic. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. There's still plenty of game in there. Um, oh yeah, for me definitely. But, um, yeah, weapons need to be a little bit stronger. Uh, I, I'm actually interested to see what the map upgrades in the DLC are going to be. Because there, there is the DLC map coming. Upgrades. And part of the DLC was, we're going to have some upgrades to your map. So I don't know whether they're putting extra collectibles in or whether they're putting a, a better way to find things or just 
more little of of your little stamps. Maybe you're getting some of those. I don't know. Okay, I kind of like the map the way it is. I don't mind searching for things. Um, if it if they just told me where everything was, I'd be less inclined to probably play the game. Yeah, but maybe there's just different things you can search for in mm. the environment, and then you need more stamps, and maybe get more of those little glowy light beam stamps. Yeah, I, I just I haven't used all of them yet, so mm. I'm still pretty good with stamps. I, I tend to, to stamp a whole bunch of things and then go and find them and then stamp a whole bunch of other things. Yeah, I, I went to Hyrule Castle. I figured. Yeah, that's a bit tough, apparently. Yeah, I stuck my way in, found a back door, in through some tunnels. Uh, almost mm. died a couple times, but and I managed to make it out without actually dying. I got close, but I decided right. at a certain point that uh, no, this is getting a little bit hard. Did you get anything out of there? Uh, I opened up a couple of chests and found some some weapons and and some stuff, but nothing that's some, changed my game. Some weapons, no. some weapons that you won't use because they're too important. Yeah, got a lot of those. Just on, on an aside, have you found the fairy fountains? No, none of them yet. They are an experience. They've done a really good job. They're unsettling in a way, but like cool in a way because they're so weird. But the fairy's always been unsettling in Zelda, though, hasn't she? They're very excitable, but it's fun. I think everyone's excitable in that game. There's a man with chickens who's really keen on them that I am struggling to find the last two chickens for him. There's that bird with the squeeze box who keeps playing your songs. Everyone, yeah, everyone's kind of happy. The one thing I have done is upgraded my stamina a bit, which has made things a lot easier. It was just not enough to climb and to get to places on the little hang glider. Yeah. Uh, I think I did one pip, but I haven't done it anymore. If you can find it, get the climbing top or the climbing armor because it actually slows the the speed. Your stamina goes down. Yeah, I've got the stealth armor. I haven't found the climbing armor yet. I mm, can't remember where I got it, but I've got a, a chest piece, which is enough to yeah. get way more out of your stamina bar. Yeah, I just cook up a bunch of food. I just run around and collect ingredients until I can't stand it anymore. And then I just sit at a fire and just turn them all into various foods. Yeah, no, look, that's a good thing that even at the start of the game, you can potentially create something that'll give you 10 hearts or so, which is a nice little addition to the cooking, I think, rather than mm. having to kind of go, oh, I've got three hearts and I have to deal with three heart things. You can technically buff yourself up and get yourself a nice sword really early in the game, enough so that you can take out some of the, the high level things. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm just wandering around. I haven't looked at any sort of spoilers or anything like that, so I am still still haven't discovered, I guess, a large majority of, of the secrets. No, and I'm trying to not look at spoilers either. So there's a whole bunch of things on the map I've stamped and gone, I don't know how to do that yet. I'm going to have to come back when I figure out how to do this, mm. like the rock formations with the circles and the crosses that, that are the rock formations. I don't know how to get the little, um, what are those little? Uh, Kurok. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure how to get the Turoks out of, out of them. I'm not sure how to get the Turok out of them. And also where you had to name your name your kid Turok to get free games. Yeah, yeah, that was... Acclaim. Yeah, well. Uh, what else have you been playing apart from Zelda? Uh, well, a lot of Zelda. Uh, mm. Let's see. So I played... Um, so along with Andrew Natoli of the Inconsolables podcast, we're going to do a... a Torment Tides of Numenera spoiler cast. That'll be fun. Yeah. Does that mean I have so to been... play it before then or is it just going to be you two? Because I'm just no, going, be... I don't know what that is. Just going to be us. Good. Um, so, yeah, I've been working through that and, and the weirdness that that entails. You still enjoying Talking... it? Yeah, no, it's good. It's it's strange. There's a sort of a couple of really tough decisions in there that... Mm. Um, Moral or... Well, 
See, when video game developers say this is a, a moral choice, it, it's they're usually saying this is a choice choice between good and evil. Yeah, yeah. And sort of the the Planescape games, the way they've done that is, it's never a choice between good and evil. It's just a choice between two things. Um, and it's a little bit more grey. Yeah, well, it's it's not even grey. It's it's just like there's going to be consequences for for people. There may be good consequences, there may be bad consequences, but it depends entirely on your point of view. Yeah, yeah. So. It's kind of like The Witcher in that way, in that there's, you know, if you come across evil, you just beat it down because that's what you do with evil. Yeah. But the the real issues with The Witcher come with what, what happens when these two people who have a rightful claim to something dis- disagree about it. And then they and, weirdly and just ha- turn to you and go, what do you think? And I'm like, mm. I don't know. Do whatever you want. Don't mm. involve me because I'm a Witcher. So at the risk of sort of torment Tides of Numenera spoilers, uh, fast forward. I don't know, probably five minutes if you're planning on playing the game. There was, there's a, an area underneath the area where I am where there's like a foundry with these three ancient robots in it. Uh, and one of them has tried to create children for himself because he, he, he decided he, he needs children. Mm. But they never work. Um, so he's sort of surrounded by these little dead baby robots. Oh, so um, he's not creating children in the traditional sense of creating children. He's... Taking no, a little bit more them. of a hands-on approach to it. Yeah, and you find out that what, what's happening is that his programming is preventing the children from taking his life force. So for, to give them life, he, he has to die. But his programming is such that when he does that, you know, a backup kicks in and it sucks all the life force back into him because yeah, there's, right. a, there's a sort of a failsafe. So it's never-ending. So, yeah, so you can do that. You can sort of build something that allows him to... Um, to, to have children and to have the, you know, for the life force not to go back into him. Um, but there's a guy who's been looking after him for like 50 or 60 years because he doesn't have any legs and he sort of can't walk around the foundry anymore. Mm. And he, he doesn't want you to take his friend away. So you have to decide what do you do? Do you honor this guy's wish not to take his friend away? Um, or do you, you know, understand that the robot wants children really, really badly? And this is a way for him him to get them. And it's just so there's no right or wrong in that situation. It's just points of view. Is it one I of guess. those uh, quests where you can just not do anything? Can you just go fuck you guys are crazy? I'm just not getting involved. It's fine. Oh yeah, you can you can just walk away from every quest in the game if you want. Yeah, okay. It's not yeah. tied to your progression. Yeah, no. Well, it is to a certain extent, but you can progress without you know being that that great at things. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's Torment, um, and there'll be a spoiler cast up on that at some stage. Um, How far through are you, or you don't know, or you uh, have a feeling? I don't know. I'm sort of at an area. There's a, a large town at the start of the game where obviously most of the development work's gone on, and I'm in that. Yep. And, um, yeah, I think I'm almost done. I've only got one area left in that town, but it keeps opening other areas up, so... <laughs> I don't know just yet. The guy I'm going to do the podcast with has almost completed that area, and but he can't play for a week, so I might end up catching him. That's okay. Cool. And anything else? Have you been? Yeah. Oh. I uh, decided I would go back to Anarchy Online and give that a go. I think I've, we mentioned that last week. Yeah. Is it still um, the train wreck? The more you spend time with it, or are you getting back into yeah, it? Yeah. It's still very sort of, the interface is very glitchy and, and 90s. So I decided that, that that wasn't good enough, that I should go deeper down that rabbit hole, and I logged on to um, a player-run EverQuest server today that was that's locked in 1999. Wow. Scars of Velius is the last expansion that runs on that server. Yeah. 
I created myself a monk and managed to pull them because they, they they disable all the maps in game and everything like that. Oh, so really? That, okay. Yeah, it's exactly the same as it was in, in 1999. Yep. So I managed to find my way out and beat up on some things until I got to level two. And yeah, that's that's EverQuest. <laughs> Do you um, visit the the Knolls? Where were they? They were in- Yeah, yeah, Quinos. Um, Quinos, yep. Yep, yeah, that's exactly where I was. So it took Spent me 20 minutes- Twenty minutes to get from level one to level two. <laughs> so, really? Oh, yeah. man. Any other That's, game would have um, done that in two minutes now. Yeah, in the tutorial, so you would understand leveling up. The other thing I tried was Wildstar, which is an MMO that came out that uh, well a little while ago now, but uh, it's on Steam now and it's free to play because all of that went free to play because no one can be as successful as World of Warcraft. Yeah. Have we called the death of MMOs yet, or are they still yeah, pretty much. kind of hobbling along? I think they're kind of hobbling along, but it's it's up to them now to find something that World of Warcraft isn't that everybody wants and isn't getting. Yeah. Do you think there'll be a World of Warcraft 2? Uh, or is it just the market not? I mean, they've obviously got the market, so do they risk rebooting it in a, a genre that is dying anyway, and then people m- might not come across after they spend all that time? I don't know. Yeah, I, whenever you do that, you split the player base. Yeah. That's, that's one thing that we've discovered in the past when they've brought out sequels to MMOs like- EverQuest? Um, yeah, EverQuest, EverQuest 2. I was thinking more uh, and uh, Asheron's Call and Asheron's Call 2 as well. Yep. Yeah, no, Wildstar's a perfectly okay MMO if you want to play in MMO, just like Star Wars Galaxies is a perfectly okay MMO. But yeah. why, why would you do that when you can play World of Warcraft? These these games are you know pretty much cop- almost copies and pastes of each other. Yeah, there's little little differentiations, but it's too much too much similar. And WoW such a a finely tuned machine at this point that it seems any other game is a compromise from just the Blizzard perfection of that thought. Yep. So yeah, WildStar is okay. It's a perfectly good MMO, but. You know, I mean, Chris and Cameron are playing it, so I might stick around and see what it's like when you play with more than one person. But yeah, sometimes it's that's the make or break version of a MMO. Like how many people are playing that you actually know? Yeah, and then really, if that's all you're playing for, is it such a good game to begin with? <laughs> but you know, some games are better because of the mm. the experience or the or the things that happen. I don't know. I yeah. know I've had some some of my memories of WoW have been the best when it was just dumb stuff that that we were doing. Yeah, breaking into the caverns of time before they were open. Yeah, or you shooting some guy in the face on the beach uh, mm. when he was just waving at you, and then we, yep. we had a, <laughs> a bit I of I call a, that self-defense. Yeah, well, you know, what's self-defense if you do it before anything bad happens? A preemptive strike. <laughs> that's that's good enough. Yep. All right, so MMOs. That's, yep. It's an interesting development. We'll see how that pans out over the coming weeks and see how you go. Are you going to do a EverQuest video for the site and see what I it might, looks like? Actually, I look yeah. back at look back EverQuest. Maybe have a look at um, EverQuest and then how that, that like jump between WoW and EverQuest like doing the same thing might be an interesting. Yeah, look. that wouldn't mean I mean I'd have to reactivate WoW. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh well. Maybe don't do that because that's a slippery slope as well. Mm. All right. Well, I've been playing a little bit of Zelda as well. Oh, sorry. When I say a little bit, I've been playing a lot of Zelda. I turned on the Amiibo support the other day and got my uh, Epona. Is it or is it Epona? The horse from Ocarina no of Time. I um, think it's it's supposed to be Epona, but P 
people may have weird. Right. Uh, so if you have the Super Smash Brothers version of the Link Amiibo, you can get a Pona from that the very first time you scan mm. it in and only once apparently. So uh, if you're doing that, get to a stable and register it real quick. And right. um, I've also got Super Smash Brothers Zelda, but she just gives a chest and some fish and stuff. And you can scan these once every 24 hours to give you extra things. I haven't actually tried scanning a Mario or something to see if they work. Uh, yeah. My right Joy-Con seems to not work for scanning Amiibo. And and we tested this out yesterday. You, your one works fine. My one, nothing. Absolutely nothing. So I think I might mm. have a faulty Joy-Con stick, and I'm not really too sure what to do about that other than take it back. But, I mean, I don't really use the Amiibo stuff anyway, so... That's not really hurting me in any way. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to, after doing that, I was going to get into Amiibos, but then I saw how much they cost. So <laughs> Yeah, they're about $15 each still. Oh, JB Hi-Fi has them for like $21. They're, I think they're the special Zelda Breath of the Wild, the big ones. In general, right. like you can get a Luigi for 15 or so at Big W. Right, okay. Big W seems to be the go-to place, does it? Yeah, oh, or Target. So instead, I had to scan mine in using the Pro Controller. The Pro Controller's got an NFC chip in it, so I've just, I'm just going to use that for scanning my um, Amiibos. But it'd be interesting to find out whether anyone else has any issues with Joy-Cons. Because actually, like, mm. playing it a lot, I was thinking, because they are made of plastic, and I was thinking, I'm not sure how much these would last. Like, I mean, you know, they're little kind of plastic controllers, and they are your interface to the machine. And half of me is thinking it's actually quite smart that you can slide them off because then if they do break, you just buy a new set and slide them on. But then mm. a new set's like 110 bucks or something for a set of oh, really? Joy-Cons. So, I mean, I assume that in three, four years, like, you know, when this thing's getting a little bit old in the tooth, that just being able to buy a new set of Joy-Cons might be a good thing. Yeah. I don't think Nintendo usually drops the price on their thing. So, so in like 10 years, it's probably still going to be the same amount of money. I'm not talking about them dropping in price just that if they do happen to have any more issues like if the analog stick goes loose yeah. or if anything like that, it's good that you can actually swap them out at that point you're saying to argue for the modularization of of consoles well there you go maybe that that is the greatest thing that this has brought to this mm. generation is the modular modularization although the Xbox, even then you're starting to argue for the right to fix your own stuff too yeah well i'm always arguing for that because i'm always taking mm. things apart you know like walkie talkies you can take that apart even if you can't put it back together when you're a little kid, yeah, you should Mine be able to take for a while, even even though I, even though I took them apart all the time. Yeah, well, I think things were simply more simply built back then. Mm. They weren't all on a die, and just you can't really do anything. So there's yeah. that. There's the Joy Cons, um, and also um, people have been saying how expensive the Pro Controller is. But I was looking as I was wandering through Big W, and the Pro Controller is exactly the same price as an Xbox 360 controller. I mean, they're not cheap. They're not cheap things. But no. to point to Nintendo and say, hey, your Pro Controller is super expensive is kind of like, well, actually, they're all exactly the same price. That's how much a PlayStation controller is, like $79, $89. Yeah. You're still not happy with how expensive controllers are, but I, I never said Nintendo were, were sort of charging anything that anyone else wasn't. I was sort of more saying, oh, I don't really need that. No, it wasn't, I can... it wasn't you in particular. I've just heard a lot of chatter around on forums and in news articles just kind of going, hey... All this is really expensive. Well, it kind of is. I mean, I think the Joy-Cons are super expensive, actually, for, yeah. for, for what they well, are. For what they are. I can struggle along with the with, with the default controller. How is it? How is it comfortable? Because you're playing mainly Yeah, handheld. mainly wireless. Mm. So it's it's basically a 
I'm actually glad I didn't buy a 3DS now because this kind of fills the the same hole for me. Yeah, you just need to have the, oh. the software come out. You can buy Wacka Wacka mm. 7. The, I can. Uh, or you can buy Metal Slug, and I think they've also got uh, King of Fighters 98, I want to say. So these, yeah. Not, re- not really inclined to... Um, hot Neo Geo jams you can get. Yeah, I get my Hot Neo Geo jams in other ways. So yeah. I bought... <laughs> sort of not really inclined. I bought Wacka Wacka 7 purely so I can have a mobile version of Wacka Wacka 7. Was a mobile version of Wacko Wacko 7 missing from your life? Uh, I don't think so. But it was just, I think it was one of those impulse purchases that you see and go, oh, I like Wacko Wacko 7. Yeah. I will, let's, let's, I will tell you, let's though. Go, let's go Wacko Wacko on this Wacko Wacko 7. That doing any type of fighting game move on those, the D-pad that's not a D-pad on the Joy-Cons when it's still mm. the four buttons, that's not a thing you want to do. It's a total you really, future. Really want the really want the pro controller for that. Yeah, you can't do a Dragon Punch move with buttons. Which, I mean, actually, I think you can do a Dragon Punch move with buttons. And there are people who build arcade sticks, like we've talked about in before, that are, as mm. they're called hitboxes. And instead of having a joystick, it's got buttons. But at that size, when you're still trying to do it with your thumb... Are you going to get a T-shirt that says you can't do a Dragon Punch with buttons? No, because then all the hitbox people will look at me and go, hey, well, no, you ye- can. Ye- yell at you. <laughs> yeah. You, we technically, well, technically, you know, you can do it if you do you know, I will say that you can't do a Dragon Punch move with a Joy-Con. That'll be my T-shirt. Yeah. Well, right. I, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Yeah. All right. So there was Zelda, which um, I'm sure we'll keep talking about that because I'm going to keep playing that for a while. But um, mm. And unfortunately, Horizon Zero Dawn has taken a bit of a backseat. So uh, we'll have to get back to that. Uh, I have been playing, though, still on the Switch, uh, some Snipper Clips. Mm. Uh, my wife and I I've sat done, down. Done, done a bit of Snipper Clips, too. And we played that for... A good hour and a bit, and we're into the second area, which is kind of a little bit more of a retro eight bit feel of Snipperclip. It's a oh, fun really? game. It's a really good. There's a lot of we um didn't we do that? No, I think we're just past the owl egg stuff. Yeah, the owl egg was the first. We just stood there staring at it for a while, going, "How does this work? I'm over here, and I need to do the thing." But we eventually figured out that the ones on the right mimic the one mimic the things on the left. Mm. But um, our our issue was we couldn't um we didn't know about uh making each other smaller with the owl eggs. We thought that that we just had to somehow squeeze the eggs through. Oh right, okay. My wife did the first basketball one by herself without snipping at all, like without me forming her into any shapes. And I was like, oh, no, yes. no, it's called snipper clips. You have to cut. So I'm I'm. Did, a bit- did you just walk off at that point? Yeah, I'm like I'm out. Um, no, but I feel that. There, there almost is an imperative that you must cut someone into another shape, or just cut someone. Mm. You have to cut someone. Is Those what little I'm figures away. look 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 awfully sus when um, when they squat down. They look like they're squeezing off one. Mm. Not not a good look. No, uh, my kids have been playing a little bit of it as well, and uh, they're kind of sitting in the office, and you're outside the office, you know, in the kitchen, and you can hear them going. No, cut me now! No, cut me! Cut me! <laughs> and it's like, no, uh, maybe. Uh, don't repeat that at school, kids. Don't cut anyone. Uh, no. Haven't tried tabletop mode yet, which I want to try during the week. Um, yeah, I haven't really tried tabletop mode for anything. I tried to hold the controllers one in each hand, and that just felt weird. I've heard that that's good if you've got RSI and you can't. Yeah, and you find it holding a controller like really, really close together, like the the general controller config. That being able to rest your hands apart is actually really good. I guess it's what depends on what you've got RSI for because I've got RSI for for mouse use and I sort of holding a controller is really comfortable for me because it's not holding a mouse. Yeah, yeah. You need you need a mouse you can control like a controller. 
Uh, I do actually now. It's called the Steam Controller. Can, can you use that generally in Windows as a? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yep. And does it work well? Uh, it works okay. With a little hack, you can even bring up their like weird on-screen typing keyboard. Okay, right. So uh, you can actually type quite fast on that. Could you bring the Steam Controller at work and use it for work, or is it just not fast enough in typing? No, you need to have Steam installed. Oh, right. So you can't just install the driver at a system level. Hmm. Uh, no. Okay. Well, the driver's included in Steam, I think. Yeah, right. Hmm. In Zelda, yes. this is a, a specific question. Have you found the girl that's planted the flowers around the shrine? Uh, and she gets angry with you when you stand on her flowers? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Did you throw a bomb at the flowers? No. Did, okay. What does she do? Oh, I'm going to have to go know. back and do it. Or set them on fire. She really likes her flowers. Yep. You know, it's a fair amount of work she's put in. I don't have to get so angry about it. I have another confession to make. I've been playing Zelda now and she gets real upset if you throw a bomb of flowers. <laughs> does she let you continue on your journey or does she just take you on? Uh, I'm not sure yet. All right. There is a little cutscene. Oh, really? Actually, she's- she goes and she goes and trashes all the flowers herself. Oh, so she just gives up. That's mm. funny. So then you don't have to be careful of the flowers anymore because there's no flowers anymore. There's still some flowers there. But she's not hanging around? But, well, no, she's the cutscene's still playing and now she's attacking me because <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently she's an externalization of the flowers' rage. Right. I didn't think flowers were angry. No? <laughs> Actually, there is not even a fight. You just wake up passed out on the ground. Well, that's been great radio, by the way. Um, my issue with her is people, people have to use... That shrine, what are you doing building a flower maze around it? She's prettying it up. She's, it's part of the god's will. You can pretty it up without doing it in such a way that it inhibits access. The council's going to be here soon. They'll be saying you can't plant flowers there because it's common ground. And the Hyrule Council. Hyrule Council. <laughs> that, there. that lion boat or the king who's the ghost will show up. Do the uh, twice yearly rubbish collection. Pick up all mm. the, the shit you live around. I leave a lot of shit around in that game. Yeah, you should pay um, some serious rates. I have 97 moblin teeth. Why do I need any more? What would the rates be on Hyrule Castle? How many rupees? I don't know. At that stage, you're the government, so you, you don't pay rates. You charge rates to other people. So people pay you. Yeah. So if what I'm I want just- to know is that, that little scientist girl who's built that giant telescope, how did she get a permit for that? Because that doesn't look like it's constructed securely. She's going to get a knock on the door from- um, mm. Hyrule Castle, and she's going to have to pay some extra rates, I think, on that. Yeah. Or they're going to tear it down until she gets a... Um, it's like she's constructed a um, a pergola or a shed without permission from Hyrule Council. <laughs> she didn't even look up the easements. No. No. Her neighbours are real upset. Or they would be if she was, wasn't living on top of that cliff. <laughs> Maybe she owns the cliff. I would say that the people in the below town would be really upset when that planning permit went in. They'd be like, no, they can see over my backyard, into my backyard. Yeah, with that, with that giant telescope. Yeah, I object to that. What if I'm in the pool or the shower? She's one of them. Mm. All right, let's get on to some yep. news. We're officially calling let's- this not the weekly topic. We're calling it news now. And the first newsworthy item is your humble monthly bundle. How'd you go? Yeah. It was a couple of weeks ago now. Was it Yeah, chewing? it was weird. Um, did you get anything good? I did, actually. I got... Uh, Polybridge, which I'd been looking at getting for a little while, yep. which is that, that 3D game where you kind of build a bridge and then various cars and things drive across it and you have to make sure that, that it can stand the strain of a, like a car driving across or something going underneath it. Or um, So I kept that 
Uh, it came with a One Piece game that I immediately went to the One Piece subreddit and said, "Who wants this game?" <laughs> um, because I am, I am as much as I have been an anime fan in the past, I do not watch One Piece. Well, Zelda looks so, like anime now, so you know. Yeah, kinda. Uh, and then there are a bunch of smaller games that I haven't really tried yet. There was Morph Blade, Rive, and Flat Heroes. Um, I think I've heard of Morph Blade. Yeah, Morph Blade. I think is by the guy who did. Uh, it's he. He used to write for Rock Paper Shotgun. Mm. I want to say I want to say Jim Russingall, but that's not right. The company's called Heat Signature, and he did a game where you break into buildings and rewire things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, look, yeah. Uh, this is this is also great radio when we don't know the answers <laughs> to things. Fantastic radio. Um, yes. Anyway, yeah. Continue. So uh, that one I haven't played that one. But I did play uh, the Flat Heroes one where you just play as a shape mm-hmm. uh, and it gives you a level and it shows you where all the walls are and where you start and then it just turns into a bullet hell shooter for like five seconds at that point where shit just starts going everywhere. Gunpoint um, was the other name of the other game. Gunpoint, that's right. Yeah, stuff starts going everywhere and you have to find a way to stay safe for the sort of five second duration of the level. Yep. So that's quite fun. Um, we'll probably pop a video up sooner or later about that. Of you just cowering in the corner. Uh, well, you see, they kind of make them a little bit clever. You can't just cower somewhere. You have to actually kind of engage with the... So just say you've got uh, a series of walls and mm. you have a thing where uh, bullets appear um, on the outside because you see the bullets spawn in. Mm. So you think, right, I'll, I'll go... I'll go on the inside of the wall so they can't get me. But then as the bullets sort of spawn in as a line, they turn a corner and start spawning across the top as well and shoot down into the area where you're currently hiding. So okay. you've got to kind of time your time your movement so that you're not at the point where the bullets are. Okay. Awesome. Which is, I, I think I just did a really complicated way of explaining a bullet hell shooter. Oh, well. We'll see it in due time. So do you think mm. you'll use the Humble Bundle monthly bundle again? Yeah, I'll give it one more go and we'll see. The next one's the, the, the big one is The Witness, and I've already got that. Oh, right. Uh, okay. So I'll probably give that to my wife and see what else pops up. Yeah, okay. Because that's, that's the thing I'm finding with the Humble Bundles that come out. Now it's not a matter of, oh, I get 30 games for $10. It's how many of those games do I already have versus mm. then am I paying a lot of money for the rest of the games? Yeah. I, w- I was quite happy to get Warhammer, which was their big game last week, and Polybridge for 12 bucks. That's, yeah. that's pretty pretty fantastic. And you haven't played Warhammer yet? Uh, I have, but I've only done the tutorial. Okay. And you're liking it so far? You've nothing yeah, that- it seems it seems all right. I sort of prefer the Dawn of War games more because they kind of get into the action, but yeah. getting into the action in this one is as simple as zooming in, which I haven't done yet. So. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, yeah. well, let's see what happens next month. All right. Uh, well, let's move on to some more Switch news. Uh, obviously, the week after a console is released, there's mm. a whole bunch of people uh, not tearing it to shreds, but, you know, pushing and pulling and hit, hitting the thing with a sledgehammer and seeing which are the bits that are good and which are the bits of the bad. Um, we've do, do not hit your Switch with a sledgehammer. No, that would be bad. That would be, on the, that would be in that column. Um, turns out that the Switch Joy-Con issue may be hardware-related. Oh. The um, desyncing left Joy-Con, which, to be honest, I haven't seen personally, but I think within the way I'm playing it, either attached to the console and playing it handheld or just six to eight feet from the TV with the console off to the side, not really seeing it that much. Yeah. 
there was a YouTuber called Spawnwave, and he's uh, opened up a Joy-Con, as is people's want now to get new technology and open it up and have a look at what's on the inside. He's managed to extend the range by adding a little uh, a wire to the antenna. So I think the antenna is an on-die antenna in the actual oh, okay. uh, thing. So the quote is that the Bluetooth antenna is positioned in areas that cause additional interference. So that's why putting your hand over the railing can cause the desync problems, which mm. is a shame. Well, I'm I'm mostly using using mine as a glorified three D. Yeah, yeah. So I haven't. Well, um, really. So we'll see if in the coming months whether that ends up getting fixed quietly or whether it ends up getting fixed publicly, and Nintendo have to do either a recall or a hey, sorry to all you guys who bought consoles on launch. Here's a free copy of One Two Switch. Because nobody right. bought it, and it should have been a pack-in anyway. Yeah, it totally should have been yeah. a pack-in. So um, we'll see how that pans out. Um, someone's already got Zelda running on the PC. Uh, they're using a, oh, really? an emulation program called Simu, which is a, a like a, a Wii U emulator. Oh, which yes. Is the, when I say running on the PC, there's a there's a apparently there's a big difference between running and playable. They can kind of boot up the environments, yeah, and they they can't really. Uh, interact with any of the quests and if you want to get off the main part of the island you need to actually insert some console commands and things and try to or try to force it off so it's it's bootable but it's not playable so mm, i guess there's, there, there's always a big difference between like i know dosbox and mame and all that if you look at their game databases it's always bootable playable and playable yeah, through to the yeah. end playable, but with issues the ones you get in mm. mame and also the Joy-Cons and the Pro Controllers people have uh, up and running on the PC and on Android. Well, that's, that's um, good. Which is actually good because it means that they use a standard because there's no mm. special program you need. I, I think even on the Mac, you click one of the Joy-Cons and it picks up that you can sync it in just the, the general Bluetooth config system setting. So that's good. Uh, although... Yeah, Only it's always one good. Joy-Con can be connected at a time. You never like it when people come up with their own no. standards. So uh, there's probably some more work that needs to be done if people want to use them for video game preservation in a couple of years or in kind of five, ten years. But there must be two Bluetooth connections in the unit because at the moment, because you can only sync the one Bluetooth Joy-Con to a PC or a Mac, I don't know whether there's actually two. Mm. It's getting two different signals. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's well. They'd probably register as separate Bluetooth devices. Like you can register multiple models of the same phone to the same machine because they've all got their own ID. Yes, but at the moment, registering one Joy-Con to the computer, you can't register the second one without deregistering the first one. So I'm not sure right. whether there's some funkiness going on there. Oh yeah, okay. Nintendo's gone and written their own Bluetooth standard. I don't know. Called Triforce. <laughs> it's the the middle thing and the two called, sides. I don't called know. fuck you and your PC. <laughs> uh, so that's coming. Uh, you, and but you still need to use a an app like Joy to Key or something to map the buttons. Yeah, but you know, at least it works. Uh, and we've had uh, Reggie Fizeme. Hey. time. Hey, I spoke. I said his name right. Uh, one day I'm going to stop saying his name and then stopping and going. Hey, I said his name right. Yeah, <laughs> it's just going to be the thing. Uh, so, yeah, he spoke to Time about some of the issues, um, and I'll go through just kind of a brief response to some of his answers. Uh, on reports of connectivity issues with some of the Joy-Cons, uh, he said that they've seen some of the inquiries and they're looking into it, but they just need as much information as they can get. So 
they are having an issue. <laughs> yeah. So um, if you have an issue, please make sure to tell them because yep. so that they know how broad it is. At the time of the statement, they were saying that the uh, number of uh, Joy-Con replacement repairs is not significant at the moment uh, right. and is consistent with what we've seen for any new hardware. So who knows? I mean, I haven't been having the issues, but my use case has been different. Yeah. Like I'm always, uh, I'm always connected to the console. So yeah, uh, there's also been reports of the dock scratching the tablet screen, mm. which seems to be an oversight of some proportion. I actually read about this and put sellotape on those little tabs in the dock. For mine. Yeah, I was thinking I've got some, um, some not not a velvet. It's more of felt. The, um, felt. I've got some felt here. I was going to cut into some strips and double side tape on the inside, but I'm not sure if there's enough room in there. Mm. But we'll see. Uh, So he has said, again, uh, we're encouraging consumers to reach out to us directly. We have done, as you know, literally hundreds of events starting with our activity back in January and most recently in the various tours that we continue to do, and they've had no issues. And they've actually asked around internally, and they've had no issues internally. So I don't know if it's just a weird, like people taking them out in a weird way, whether they're putting them in and then sliding them backwards and forwards to get them to little to connect to those little nubs. But, I mean, mm. if it's happening, it's happening, and they should probably fix it. I actually assumed that it did have a level of locking or felt on there, that that would make sense to me. Yeah, no. But, uh, it doesn't seem that. It's got one little rubber bit at the bottom where, where it kind of grips in. That would make sense to me as well. I, I don't know why you would <laughs> why you would not want to. Like, this, the screen's plastic as well, isn't it? Yes, it's not a glass screen. It's not yeah. a Gorilla Glass or anything, I don't believe. So, yeah, that's so. that's another little bit of an oversight, I guess. Yep, uh, they're trying to get stock of the standalone dock in case you need a second dock. And I've actually thought, I could actually do with a second dock and put that one in the lounge room. And then I can, mm. because the unit seems built for that, that I'm playing in one room, I can pick up, I can be playing, I can walk to another room if someone kind of comes into that room and they want to use it. They just haven't uh, ramped up production of them enough. And apparently it was Nintendo of America were the market that was pushing for the idea of the second dock. I don't think they were, they were pushing so much in Japan. Maybe the yeah. houses are smaller and they don't use it. Definitely smaller, I think. Probably why the the uh, controller on the NES Classic is about a foot and a half long. <laughs> yes. Um, that and, and the, that is, and the fact that I could make a retro pie, is, that's what stopped me from getting a NES Classic so far. And actually, on the original Famic or the Super Famicom's, the controllers were way shorter than they were on the Super Nintendos. I've got a couple mm. of Famicom controllers and I've got a couple of Super Nintendo controllers and the, the controllers, they have a way shorter, shorter lead. Mm. Uh, on whether Nintendo might offer a USB-C slash HDMI combo cable, uh, so if you take it to someone's house and you don't have to bring your whole dock and whatever mm. across, the answer to that is that Nintendo believes that our systems are best utilised with our first-party accessories. We believe for, the, for physical security of the system that is best connected to the TV through our dock solution which they don't have for sale for any other, extra docks. Other, other words, screw you and buy a dock. Yeah, pretty much. I, I think it's just, you know, they want people to buy the first-party stuff. I mean, obviously, there's probably going to be people coming out with a combination cable, but who knows. Mm. Uh, on weather features Mad cats, like- maybe? <laughs> Mad cats back in business. Mm. I, think, I think business has slowed down for them, but business Razor, might be about then. to pick up. I still can't find a case. I'm still looking for a case. Everywhere is sold out. Uh, one EB has told me that the case has been discontinued, but JB Hi-Fi seemed to be telling me that they just don't have stock of them yet. So I don't know. I don't know who yeah. to believe. And this this case. is getting back into the bloody um, the thing that I didn't want to get back into, which is uh, bricks and mortar um, video gaming, where no one knows what's going on. 
and they'll just tell you whatever the hell they want if they don't know. Yeah. Well, at least I will give credit to the guy from JB Hi-Fi. He talked me through the whole process about how Nintendo stock and how they release um, their hardware to retailers. Apparently, that they actually don't know when they're getting stock and they're, they're just waiting for Nintendo to give them a call to say, hey, we've got 100 of these in stock and you can buy five of them. Do you want them? Yep. So they, don't, they can't even just go, well, we want 30 and then Nintendo go, okay, here's your 30. They have to wait for the other way. to. You can uh, buy five copies of Capcom versus SNK2 Millennium <laughs> so Battle. I think, so I think it was all they had in Australia at the time that we bought ours. Yes. For the GameCube, by the way. Mm, well, well uh, not the... <laughs> There really, was the system the that was in high demand. Yeah, well, you know, if you actually, I don't think it was out on the PS2 at that point. It was the GameCube or nothing, was it? Uh, maybe because I know it was the EO version, which had the Easy Operation Stick. Yeah, we, we don't want to talk about the Easy Operation Stick. We never used that. It's no, the, that's for um, people, that's for people who don't know how to play fighting games. Exactly, on that can't do Dragon Punch moves on buttons. For the, lo- for the longest time, I couldn't do Dragon Punch moves, and then the new Street Fighter, I've I've uh, managed to teach myself. Oh, good, cool. We can we can maybe move on to the Street Fighter news in the next. There's Street if Fighter just- news. Oh, there's not really much Street Fighter news. Um, it's just uh, Capcom this weekend are having the um the Capcom Pro Tour yeah. on this weekend, which is uh, like an esports esque type fighting game thing where they're having some some of the best Street Fighter guys come and play. Guys and is, girls. Is that, is that in the US or here as well? Uh, I think it's in the US at the moment. I think they are going to be touring it around, but I'm not sure whether they're just touring it around the States or whether they're just or they're touring it around the world. But this is the first one of the events. All right. And okay. um, I did actually, no, look, we're here now and I'm going to talk about it now. So we'll uh, get back to Reggie later. But um, I was watching some of the uh, stream on Twitch. If you go to Twitch TV slash Capcom Fighters, oh, that's probably finished now. Maybe they've got the videos up that you can watch them by the mm. time this gets out. I was wondering that why do esports players dress like Olympic sports people? Um, sponsorship, I guess. I don't know. It's weird that they come in and they, you know, all their portraits. They look like they're Olympic athletes, and they're wearing those kind of lycra tops with all their sponsorship over them. And but they, they don't need to do that. They're just sitting there playing fighting games. Like, you don't see top chess players dressing like they're about to go on the Tour de France. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Have we watched like any chess to... lately? <laughs> they wear a suit. And I, I, I doubt the fighting game players would wear a suit. But I doubt, you know, fighting game fighters would, or even esports in general. They, I don't know. It's... That might be your into the fighting game scene. If you, you're the fighting game guy that wears a suit. Could be The suit could be your name. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah, I just found it weird. That's, that's one of the things. I can understand people playing games for money, and I can understand people playing people sponsorship to play games for money. It's just dressing and the whole pretense of it being like a sport in a way. That it's almost like they've taken football and turned it into a video game rather than taking kind of chess or darts or something like a little bit more inactive, which is what video games are, and turning that type of style into a sport. It seems to me that they've just chosen the, the wrong sport to copy off. There's a fantastic, um, a fantastic Mel Smith and Griff Reese Jones. Uh, I'm not going to say it's stand-up comedy. Um, what would you call it? Like sketch comedy, where they're uh, playing darts. Uh, people who are in a darts tournament, and <laughs> like half of the game is playing darts, and another half of the game is choosing what alcoholic drink you're going to drink from a table that sits in front of you. <laughs> That'd make fighting games harder mm. or easier. I don't know. 
maybe if you learnt to play fighting games drunk, would you be better when you were drunk? Um, I fixed a network card once when I was drunk, and I have no idea how I did it, so maybe. Because there is a thing called state-specific learning, yes. and I learnt about it when someone was talking about Sam Kinison in the 80s, the guy, the uh, comedian in the 80s. If you've never heard of Sam Kinison, look him up. Actually, I think it was the 90s. And they were asking how he was so on point and could take down anyone, and he was just sharp as attack, yet he was on heroin pretty much the whole time. And people are going, but, oh, but if I did that, I'd be off my face and I wouldn't be able to do anything. And it's because he learnt comedy while he was high on drugs. So if he was straight again, he probably wouldn't be as sharp as he was on heroin because he had state-specific learning. See, I learnt about state-specific learning from Archer where Pam and Cyril couldn't remember the password that they used to embezzle a bunch of money because they were drunk when they did it. So they got drunk <laughs> drunk again. <laughs> and then they remembered it? Yeah. Uh, actually, I can't remember what happened in that episode. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Go and watch Archer. It's a good TV series. That's a Mythbusters myth I want them to, to well, tackle, state maybe. state-specific learning. Yeah. Well, there's that new Mythbusters coming out, isn't there? Is there? Uh, yeah, they're doing a thing where they're going to, like, it's going to be like a talent show where they're going to try to find new new Mythbusters to replace Adam and Jamie and- Oh, really? Yeah, it's going to be terrible. That never works. No. Like, I, I know that they tried to do that with Devo and it didn't work. Devo, the band- yeah, Devo the band have, uh, and they're kind of now a franchisee almost. So really? they've got, <laughs> didn't know um, this. They've got a younger version of Devo who are up and coming Devo. So they they wear all the hats and all that the mm. song, and so they're trying to bring Devo back, but for a new generation by finding yep. new people to be Devo. There you go. There's your Devo news of the week. Freedom of choice, I guess. Yeah, I don't even know what we're talking about. Reggie Fizema, he was answering some questions. There were some questions you had about the Switch. We are talking about Street Fighter, actually, but... <laughs> I think I finished that. You finished that? That? A, that was me talking about um, that people just dress wrong. Yeah. Find your own way of doing sports. That's all I'm saying. Right. You don't need to look like you're riding a bike. That's pretty much it. Oh, yeah. And uh, on whether features like video capture and video broadcasting or save file transfers are coming, uh, Reggie Fizema has said... That we are aware of consumer desires. So just like with the video on demand potential capabilities downstream, where we are aware of this, we are always in active discussions, but we have nothing to announce right now. Mm. So that's good. At least they're concentrating on the games. I've seen in another interview that he was talking about that they were trying to get the games right on launch or trying to get the actual game playing of the unit right on launch. So rather than focusing on video and mm. Netflix and all that kind of stuff, that will come later. Which is good. Nintendo have always said that they're a games company first and foremost. And yeah. Everything yeah. else is sort of ancillary. And that's what I think. Um, Microsoft did that with the Xbox this era. They've mm. come out and said, no, no, it can do this. It's it's can sync with your cable box and you can do TV. And, you know, it's like one unit that does everything in the in the home. It's not just a games unit. And yep. they seem to be struggling this this era. Then is it one unit, unit that doesn't do anything particularly well? Although I don't think yeah. Microsoft's issue is they don't do it particularly well. It's just they don't have the exclusives or the install base or, or whatever. Yeah, they, they forgot about the games bit. Mm. I don't know. All right. Uh, that's all the Switch news I've got, unless you've got something. No, I'm good. All right. The Nest Mini we spoke about just before. Uh, it was back in stock last week for about 45 minutes on Wednesday and then sold out. I was just wondering that. Do you reckon how long? How much more do you think Nintendo are going to make of these before they kind of come in stock and go out of stock? 
who's going to win in the match between Nintendo eventually stop making them or or people eventually stop caring because they can't get them? Uh, I think Nintendo will probably make them until the stores say, yeah, we've got enough of those things. We don't need any more. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be like they're really drip feeding them through. It's not like they've kind of gone, all right, we made 100,000 and then they sold out really quickly. So here you go, here's a million. They're like, oh, here's an extra thousand. Mm. We just shipped a box out of the warehouse. I don't think it was really a priority for them. It, it, it sounds almost like a Skunk Works project to me. If you look at the people who have taken them apart, and the, it's like, yeah. oh yeah, it's just a you know a basic system on a chip and plays ROMs and yeah, yeah. You think that they didn't know what they had on their hands before yeah. that? Uh, yeah, they were probably concentrating so much on the switch that they forgot to check to see is this thing going to be in a huge amount of demand? Do we need to do yeah, more yeah. or? Do you think they'll do a Super Nintendo version? Uh, I hope so. Well, see, I'm the kind of the wrong market for it because I, I don't need more things that plug into my TV. I just want, you know, something that does everything. I think it's a cute little unit. I didn't need one to play the games, mm. but it's good having that collection. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have liked, like, when you're going to do something like this, I would have liked to say this is this is a complete library. Yeah, because absolutely. It's, it's been that long since these games came out. There's no point, like, they want you to believe it's a nostalgia thing, but they still want to drip feed you games on Virtual Console for five bucks a piece or whatever it is, rather than say, yeah, yeah. here is an important part of our history for everyone to sort of have and to hold and to play. It's a novelty, but it's not an archive of all their mm. best things. Oh, well. Hopefully they do a Super I'd actually really like a little mini Super Nintendo. I mean, the NES Classic has been responsible for my son getting a little bit more into the old games. He's played the original Mario and those type of things. But now he's really kind of getting into Kirby and mm. uh, Bubble Bobble and all those type of things. So that's good for that. Yeah. And it's a cute little thing you can hold in the palm of your hand. Uh, all right. So we're going to move on and talk about GDC. That's come and gone. And the news is that there's not been that much news come out of it, which initially I was like, oh, that's a little, little bit of a bummer. But then I thought about it and I thought that's actually good news because it means that they didn't use GDC to release game trailers or anything like that. They actually used GDC for developers to talk to developers, mm. which was promising. Yeah, and that's that's what these things are there for, I guess, is it? And with the amount of great games coming out, it's good to see quality is back on the table, I suppose. Yeah. Did you see that um, Nintendo put out a video aimed at developers saying, hey, we've got the Unreal Engine on the Switch? You no, are, I didn't say that. You already know how to use this. Come and make games for the Switch because this is a familiar environment for you. And well, that's I guess interesting. That, that sort of it came out almost, you know, a little bit after GDC, but it's sort of kind of the same thing, I guess. Is that and that was actually Reggie saying that in the in oh, really? the video, yeah. Like, so it was a well public thing. It wasn't mm. just two developers. Yeah, that's cool. I think that they might end up with a lot of the indie games coming across to the Switch because you have to think about the, the people who are now making the indie games grew up on Nintendo hardware in a really in, in, in that nostalgia sense. And if they can have their game on a Nintendo platform, that's mm. that's pretty cool. But you could have easily said the same about the Wii and the Wii U. Yeah, but they didn't really have a, that much of a focus on indie, did they? Uh, yeah, I guess N- Nintendo has to come to the party as well, don't they? Yeah, it's it's like what the PS4 did at the start of this uh, era of the PlayStation and actually went out and actively courted the indie market. Mm. Well, apparently, Nintendo are calling their indie service or their indie uh, directive uh, their nindies. Yeah, there you go. See, someone at, mar- someone at marketing spent a whole lunchtime thinking that up. Oh, yeah. What about nindies? And then no one was there to say, no, that's a bad idea. So that's just what they went with. 
Would they have said that's a bad idea? I don't know. I'm sure they could have come up with something better. Mm. I can't think of one of the, anything at the moment. So maybe not. Who knows? Click to moves coming to the witness. Yeah, I put this one in because your wife had some di- like likes the witness, but has some difficulties with moving because she gets a little bit motion sick. Yeah, she really likes the witness. She loves the puzzles. She's she loves the puzzle game, and yeah, unfortunately, she can't stand 3D games because they make her feel sick. She gets mm. car sick as well. So she was quite annoyed that she can't play any more of that because she then had to go and have a lie down for three hours while her body mm. tried its hardest not to vomit. Would it be a sea legs thing with enough expo- small amounts of exposure? Would she get better, do you think? That's what I said to her, and I was kind of met with, look, you know, look I've tried this a lot across the years and nothing's kind of gotten better, and she is in a car a lot, so I assume that yeah. there's that. I don't know whether you're, you're more prone to being sick than other people. Yeah. It's difficult for us to understand because we, you know, being into video games through the 90s is that the 3D came and went for us and we were we were just there when it happened. It's just what we did. So it's very difficult to make me sick in a video game these days because yeah. I've just had so much exposure to it. Um, I think I would, it has to be, for me, It ha- I have to be either not well or super tired mm. as well. I remember I was playing the latest Doom at like 1 a.m. one night and I was really tired, but I was trying to get through the last level and I could feel it coming on because I was a little bit dehydrated and the room was tired and it was late and my eyes were getting sore and I could feel it coming over me, but I wanted to finish the level. So I struggled and I finished the level and I stopped and I breathed a little bit and I came back and I finished the level and I stood up. I was like, yeah, I probably should have called it about 15 minutes ago. Mm. Usually the Oculus Rift is the only thing that can make me sick these days and that's... I think I've said it before, I have to load up, there's a Macross game, and if I load that up and I look behind me and I do barrel rolls in the thing, I can kind of make myself a little bit queasy, but yeah, that's about it. Maybe try changing the field of view in The Witness as well, might have something to do with it. Um, oh, maybe. I've heard can that. Can you do that in console commands? Uh, no, I think it's just in the options in The Witness. Oh, right. Cool. Great. I'll check it out. Mm. I, uh, I have not played any of The Witness since I did had a huge run where I did like 100 puzzles in a day. I think I I think I broke myself after that point. Oh well, are you going to go back to it? Yeah, Probably yeah. Finish it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And the other thing that we found out this week that the penises and endowment slider are being removed from the Xbox One version of Conan Exiles. Yeah. Well, you know, X, X, Xbox One is a penis and endowment free zone. So, unfortunately, if you're looking for that type of stuff, you'll have to go to the PC. Yep. Plenty of penises on the PC whenever you want them. There's a lot of cock on the PC, I've found, <laughs> and sliders that you can adjust. Not that I haven't mu- even seen the game yet, so. Not that much in your How to Draw Manga book, though. No. I did pull that book out the other day. Bought it, bought it as a novelty. Did our friend end up taking that home? No, he didn't. I had three books. One was just general How to Draw Manga, and then I bought the two companion books, How to Draw Manga Men and How to Draw Manga Women. Mm. And there's a vast difference in those two books, I yes. can tell you right now. Focus. men, oh, yeah, the one of kind of 15 pages in, you start to get into an area of How to Draw Manga Women and you just you feel like you need to go and have a shower and burn mm. the book. Maybe just hand yourself in at the local police station as well. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. All right, well, that's going to do our news. I'm going to move us on because we've got a lot of... Mm. Uh, we've actually got some emails this week, which is super fun. Yeah. Uh, but right now, we're going on to Letting Off Steve. Oh, thank God. Yay! I picked a special theme this week. You did. Mm. 
massively multiplayer online role-playing games on Steam. That's got to be good because that mm. it brings in a certain type of person. It does. Um, usually people that have um, addictive personalities, I would say. And a lot of time on their hands to write great reviews. Yes. Let's go. Or especially susceptible to Skinner Box mechanics. Which, which you have to wonder, like, the Skinner Box thing, like, for those that don't know, this is a psychological principle where if you put a rat in a cage and give it a lever to push and a piece of food comes out every time it pushes the lever, the rat very quickly gets bored with the lever. But if you semi-randomise and schedule the food, the rat just keeps hitting that, hitting that lever. And that's, that's how they design these games, is that they schedule rewards for you so that you keep playing. Now, it's, it would be interesting to look at the history of MMOs as a study on how long a Skinner box is actually effective for. <laughs> because you everybody has that story where they um, get into MMOs and then they play their first one and it's really addictive, but then as time goes on, um, it's not quite as good as it was when you first started playing it. Yeah, and then after a while, and then even after you quit, mm. there's always that little pang in the back of your head going, Yep. Just go back again. I'll just play for a couple of hours. There's a free weekend coming up, and I, you know, yep. it's great to see the character again. And then all of a sudden, ignore like, my family. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, you're well back into it. Yes. So the first game I picked was Wildstar, which is the one I've actually been playing. And the first review is a positive review from Siltstrider, who only has 23 hours in uh, in Wildstar. I guess that, that's that's going to be one of the that's like one of the issues that a lot of MMO developers have with reviewers is how do you review a game where it takes you a thousand hours to actually see the whole yeah. thing? And his review is goodbye to my summer and fuck getting a job. <laughs> yes, been there, been there. Yep, I, I once over a summer inverted my sleeping hours so that I was getting up at six at night and going to bed at six in the morning. <laughs> how long did that take? Uh, you- took maybe a week. And then how long did that take to undo? About a week. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So we next have a negative Wildstar review from Junks with 0.8 hours. Uh, and it's interesting because their review was just, I didn't like it. But they had a special little thing in Steam for this one, which said that this one had a developer response. And the developer had said, that's sad. Can you tell us why you didn't like it? Did he get back to that? No, no yeah. clarification. This is like the Nescafe story that mm. was like a serial version of reviews. He should answer. We, we need the discourse. Yep. 0.8 hours. I, like I did the Wildstar tutorial today because I, I set it up to download while I was at your house yesterday. And yeah. 0.8 hours, I don't reckon you're getting out of the tutorial in that. All oh, right. I'm but actually upset still. that he didn't spell, that Junks didn't spell his name with a Z. It's with an X. Mm. I thought it would have been. Could um, be Junks. It could be Junks. Mm. But still, he, he may have had the same reaction I had to the first time I tried Wildstar when it was in beta where it's like. You get in, you do a couple of fights, and you go, this is just World of Warcraft. All right, okay. Um, Does it have question marks above people's heads? Uh, it has exclamation marks, yes. All right. Actually, there's a particularly egregious thing in the uh, in the free-to-play introduction where they have, like, player housing in it, and they take you on onto, like, a fully decked-out player house and say, look, this could be what you get if you just buy some things from our shop. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, come and talk to the decorator and the builder and everyone like that who can get you all these things if you just give us money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, the next game, I picked EverQuest, which is an oldie but a goodie. Um, This is the game that I apologise to all of you for semi-regularly. I still have a a, a very vivid memory of I was playing Ultima Online at the time and EverQuest was coming out. I kept thinking, do I buy it? Do I not buy it? 
And in those days, like it wasn't available on the shelves. I had to order it from some, somewhere in the US. I have no idea where I ordered it from. Maybe maybe Amazon. It wasn't as bad as when you ordered uh, Ultima Online, where you just, was you just, just had to send a check. Send a, send, send a check to Richard Garriott. Um, yeah. No, it was actually better than that. I think I probably ordered it from the Sony store or something like that. But So yeah, it came. And then I have a very vivid memory of we were playing... Dungeons and Dragons at Mike's house in Heidelberg, and I bought my PC with me with EverQuest installed and hooked it up to their to their network just <laughs> so I could show Chris and Cameron what it was like. And then they went out and bought it straight away. And then eventually you got on board, and then yep, then that sort of the whole thing kind of spiraled out of control once World of Warcraft came about. I had a paladin, and I mm. eventually got my flaming sword. Yep, and That's then all I quit. you wanted. I was like, I've got my sword done. Um, it does I actually do find that quitting. MMOs are generally, I it, to me, it, it does happen around a big event. Like after mm. solving a big event, you go, oh, I've yes. finally done all this. I've spent all this time. And then you look and you go, oh, hang on a second. There's way more to do after this. Uh, screw this. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the, the Skinner Box psychologist need to come up with a, a, a kind of an upper there that keeps you going. But Yeah. So we got a positive review from Green Bastard with 88.9 hours, which is a small amount of time for uh, EverQuest. Yeah. Considering it came out in 1996 or 98 or something like that. He'd be still killing rats. Mm. He said, looking back, you think I could have made better decisions. The first one you lose your virginity to. She's aging now and it shows. The time spent neglecting everyone else for her. The missed school, the missed work, the missed college, the missed sex. It was all worth it. (laughs) That's, I guess, how a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people feel about EverQuest because uh, there's still quite a few people playing that game. How many people are now still playing that game? Because you've been having a bit of a look at all the old servers and things. I are, have. Are they still super populated? I'm playing on a private server though. Yep. Uh, and there was one and a half thousand people playing today when I logged in. Wow, that's more than some of the fighting games don't even get that, and even mm. some of the um, uh, old first-person shooters. Even a first-person shooter that's 12 months old wouldn't get that. Mm. Yeah, EverQuest is was a, was a... Well, see, the thing is, EverQuest is a real tough nut to crack as far as group content goes. Compared to World of Warcraft, it's some of the most difficult group content there was, and not because it was complicated, just because uh, it was it was just made intentionally very difficult. Um, yeah, well, I remember big, like, there weren't weapons worse slogs and, as such, but you had to remember the things that people said to you and type it into chat using the right keyword. Yeah, yeah. I actually ran up against that today. I rolled up a monk and I had to go and talk to the guy about getting my white headband. I remembered that. Yeah, um, and you had to write white in yeah. apps. No, well, I didn't have... I, I just wrote headband and he didn't do anything, but it, it only works if you put, uh, like, what before it. Like, so what headband or... And then he said, oh, you get your white headband from this guy. And I went to that guy, spoke to him. And he didn't respond until I said, how do I get my white headband? Right. And I can't remember them actually specifying that in any of the documentation. No. You just kind of had to know. No. That There's that no, no quest markers above anyone's head. You get a letter at the start of the game saying, the head of your guild is this person. Go, go and speak to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, well. So now we have a negative review from Rodali with 1.4 hours. It says, "Don't That's play not enough time. No, don't play this garbage. If you want to play EverQuest the way it's meant to be played, play Project 1999, which is what I'm playing." All oh, right. So he he's not just like mm. 
that doesn't have one hour in EverQuest in general. He's, yep. he's obviously had a bit more of a A lot of these people will have one hour in EverQuest on Steam, but they might have innumerable yep. hours prior to that. So what happened is that Sony Online Entertainment got rid of their MMO division, or they collapsed and just folded back into Sony, and so Daybreak Games was formed. Oh, I thought they sold it to somebody. Yeah, so Daybreak Games was formed by the old EverQuest people, and they took over EverQuest, but I think a lot of the principals have left. John okay. Smedley, I know Brad McQuaid was gone for a while and created Vanguard and set up selling that back to them. But yep. um, apparently the actual EverQuest game has gone downhill since then. From uh, its lofty heights. Yeah, yeah. Well, from its, it was kind of just chugging along, but apparently it's it's kind of just limping along now. They say there's a lot of cheaters and there's never a GM around when you need one and things like that. Well, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't think it would have that much of people who are getting paid to do this mm. anymore. It's not no, like well, yeah. <laughs> you kind of have to keep, keep, your, keep your costs down at this point. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So the next yeah. one I chose was Final Fantasy XIV, which is one that I haven't played. I tried Final yep. Fantasy, was it ten? was the other MMO? Uh, no, it wouldn't, right. wouldn't have been 10. 13? No. Yeah, no, 11, because 10 was the stupid PlayStation 2 one with the yes. bad, bad voice acting. So, yeah, I, I chose this because I know that a couple of our friends play it. Hello, Ben, if you're listening. I don't think you even know we have a podcast, but... <laughs> you should tell him. Yep, we, 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 we hope you're still enjoying Final Fantasy XIV if you're playing it. So my review, or the positive review from Paper Bag Ghost for um, Final Fantasy XIV was, it's okay, I need to play some more to get a better idea. And he has 17,720 hours in the game. How much time is that in days? Two years. Wow. How old's the game? Uh, well, see, it's interesting. It came out and it was panned and then it was re-released as A Realm Reborn where they just redid yep. all of the mechanics. Uh, and I can't tell you whether his playtime is indicative of the whole thing or just as A Realm Reborn. Yeah, because that's the other thing. It's a different release as well on Steam. Mm. So, Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a lot of time. Unless he just leaves, yeah, it, yeah. leaves it running while he's asleep or something like that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Farming some things. Although Final Fantasy... Uh, was it 14? It did have that boss that took 24 hours to defeat the people who were raiding against it. Had to raid it for 24 hours. And people were just falling asleep and passing out. <laughs> Need to go in, in, in a shifts at that point. Yeah. Actually, it'd probably be a good way to do it. Share a character. That's against your terms of service. Oh. Don't share a character. Or so, share one, but just don't say I said yes. do it. We do not endorse character sharing. I don't endorse breaking terms of service. Unless you run a pirate radio station. I think we have a bunch of times. Like, I remember when games would come out and they would be... Like, we wouldn't know if people would want to play them. Like, one person would buy them and then another person would say, here's my login, just log in and check it out and, and see. I um, think I've I loaned my World of Warcraft character to Ben for mm. a while. And then I got it back and he, I, I was standing in the middle of a, a field and didn't know what I was wearing. And right. it's like, oh, this is all weird now. Like having, like just getting blackout drunk one day. <laughs> well, um, druids do that. So. Yes. So we've got a negative review for Final Fantasy fourteen by Gringo Sanchez with 188.2 hours. And we might have, have to get the, the bad language filter out for this one. Uh, he says, one thing, don't say unless you want to get banned. Got banned myself. What if I'm black? Can't I say online? Apparently uh, maybe. not. Apparently not. No. I don't think that falls under rights of free speech. No. 
inside Final Fantasy. And at that point, you're not really arguing against a bureaucracy or a company. You're just arguing against a, a language filter that's built into the game that says, if this word comes up, just ban this person. Sorry, you can't say that word. Yep. I just don't want to have to add another beep into the podcast. So I'm just not mm-hmm. going to say it. I only said it um, twice. That's fine. All right. There you go. That's yep. letting off steam. It is. MMO edition of letting off steam. Yep. We camped that spawn and then eventually found six reviews. Yes. We got lucky. Some people only get three. Yeah, I know. Well. Then we sold the other three on the uh, auction house. <laughs> Cornering the market for bad reviews. Yep. All right. That's it for letting off steam. And now we're going to go into fully informatic. Yes. Where um, we're going to correct some corrections. Correct some, correct some mistakes. Mm. Like that one. Um, like that I'm one. going to start by just adding in because I didn't know some of the slang terms from earlier. Uh, I was going to add some more slang terms for their police in some of my favorite ones. I looked them up mm-hmm. while we were kind of going. Uh, Smokey is a good one. Yeah. The man. You can also call them the man. This isn't actually the best article about it. I read one yesterday. You start. I'll look up some more slang terms for the cops. And Oh, okay. I'm starting. So, uh, last week, I believe I referred to the changing god in uh, Torment Tides of Numenera as the changeling god. That is, of course, in- incorrect. Um, hopefully, he doesn't uh, come after me because I understand he's quite powerful after playing that game for a while. Yeah, you're going to need to um, get that right for your spoiler cast. Mm. Oh, yeah. The- <laughs> that's, that's interesting. For that game, I've been playing it and taking a crap load of notes at the same time. It's probably the okay. first, first time I've done that for a game is just to sit down as I'm playing and write out what all of my decisions were and how I felt about it at the, at the time. Does it give you a different perspective on the game? Yeah, so the amount of work that goes into something like that, sure. Yeah, yeah. Cool. It's taking, taking me a long time to write it all down, and I dare say it would take somebody a long time to, to come up with all of it. Yeah. So uh, the Bobby. The Bobby. Is a good one. Is a good John Law or Johnny Law. I like Johnny Law. And it looks like Johnny Law's after me. Yes. Yeah, I think you have to say it in a Cockney accent. The Popo. It's one of my favourites. The power on, power off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is it? The, the Sweeney. Ah, oh, yes. Like I say, it's like the English ones to me are the funniest ones. Yes. Uh, and one more. Let's go The Heat. Mm. That's a more of an American slang yes. for it. In the name of, name of a fairly decent movie. Uh, yes. Boys in Blue. That's more that of an one. Australian one. Yeah, uh, the busies is a Liverpool slang term, or the bear, right? Bear or um, Smokey the Bear. I will add to that the thin blue line, which I believe is what they refer to themselves as. In some oh, cases, right. okay. Wonder if they have more internally. Wonder if they've got. Actually, I was going to say, well, I, I, I wonder if they've got slang terms for criminals, but I bet you they damn well have. Yeah, <laughs> I bet probably. You that we can't say them on a podcast. All right, or uh, we just don't know what they are. Maybe could be. I don't know. Maybe if you're a cop and you can write in and tell us some slang terms for criminals, just to you know even it up. The other fully informatic correction I had was that the 3DS Mario game is in fact Super Mario Land. Super Mario World was the uh, 3D Mario on the Wii U. It was released at the same time. Just one was called Land and one was called uh, World, and I always get them confused. They're both really good games, though. You should try them out. Uh, that's it for full informatic. I'm sure there was more, but we don't know what they are. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to emails. Yeah. There's no, there's no theme song to emails, so. Not yet. 
Not yet. We'll get something. Let's start with an, an email from Spencer. Mm. He writes, Dear Semicast, first up, thanks for the podcast. Really enjoying it. Hopefully, David has figured out how to open his email and you could read my question out. Thank you, Spencer. Yes, I have figured that out. Thank you very much for bringing that up. I just bought a Nintendo Classic Mini NES. Awesome. And my question is, how can you win Pac-Man? Is there an end? Can you recommend Mm. any games that have a rewarding and conclusive ending? Thanks, Spencer. Metroid. Metroid's good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Zelda. If you uh, Zelda on the Mini NES. Yes. Good. Castlevania Uh, as well. Yes. Uh, You can't technically... I don't think you can beat Pac-Man. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think about whether they talked about that in that King of Kong documentary. Because I know that that at a certain point they got got so far in King Kong that the game just starts glitching out when it tries to... uh, Actually, yes, I read about this. Level 256 in Pac-Man. Oh, this is the arcade version. Might not be the same for the NES. is unbeatable because it overflows the level generation and just starts generating garbage that you can't play properly and it's known as the kill screen yeah so the thing with those games is that they were never meant to be beaten because they mm. were arcade games basically and um hang on a second you got a phone call i just turned on the mini nest just to have a look at the games that were ah. on it and i was having noises come through the speakers so the thing about pac-man and those type of games that they were never meant to be beaten at any point because mm. why would I include an end to a game and therefore stop you spending money, yep. stop you pumping coins into an arcade machine. So they just designed it in a way that they just never thought anyone would get that good at a game or even spend that much money to find that glitchy screen. I'm not sure if, whether they would have even known it glitched out at that point. Would they have even been able to test it back then? Yeah, I don't know. I think as long as as long as long people were still putting money into it, they didn't really sort of care, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, all those games like uh, Donkey Kong and Pac-Man, they just... So, technically, you can beat it, but not in the uh, conclusion storyline way that no. I think you're after. Pac- Pac-Man will never escape from the maze. No, unfortunately. He- Sorry, Spencer. <laughs> no, he's doomed to ever eat fruit and be chased by ghosts. Mm. If you're looking for other games, I highly recommend Metroid. When my one of my friends beat that, when it came out, they actually had a VHS copy of them beating the ending because they taped it. It was that sort of monumental Wow, that's cool. Um, and Metroid is on the NES Classic, so I can confirm that. So you can play that. Uh, what else is there? There's uh, Ghosts and Goblins, which I have never uh, beaten myself. Have you? No. Ghosts and, well, yeah, Ghosts and Goblins and, by extension, Ghouls and Ghosts has an end, but that game is very difficult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody told Chris, our friend, that that, that was what the ending was. That at the, you get to the end of the game of Ghouls and Ghosts, and it says, oh, you missed this important thing. Go back to the start. Yeah, that's not a fun one. Uh, it has Castlevania on it. And yeah, no, Cast- Castlevania is totally worth it too. And uh, Castlevania Two, mm. uh, it's got uh, Double Dragon Two on it, but not Double Dragon One. I would say if the, you know those games aren't really known for their story, but Final Fight has I a good know. overarching story. That's not in here either. But if you can get a copy of that, it's a good classic beat 'em up type game. I'm a, I'm a I'm a bit of a fan of the Double Dragon One story, which is you fight against the other guy who's in the fish and chip shop with you playing the game at the end, so you can. Well, that's that's not in this thing, so no. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some story based games in there. Uh, I, I would check out uh, Zelda. Zelda's on there. Yeah, definitely. The first Zelda's still a really good game. Yes. Uh, so th- and don't don't be afraid to put bombs everywhere and look for secrets. Yes, and uh, Zelda, the original game, is 
in a way, is very similar to the last game in that you're just dumped in the world. They don't handhold you through the story as much as they do in subsequent ones. Mm. So it does have The Legend of Zelda and The Adventures of Link, Zelda 2. So yep. try those ones out. All right. I'm sure we've wrapped that question up. And, yep. you know, once you've finished with, with your NES Classic, then there's many other games that have conclusions. So what's been your favorite story in a game overarching if you want to go everything? Oh, everything. Uh, mm, probably Silent Hill 2. That was sort of the most gut gut punch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quickly followed by, and, and I'm not going to elaborate because you should play Silent Hill. I mean, you've played it yep. because we did that weird thing where I agreed to finish Splinter Cell if you would finish Silent Hill 2. And, but sort of, a, sorry for, a, yeah, more of a sort of one that I can spoil. Maybe the original Thief had a really good story. It's just like a nice, well-defined villain that sort of only makes his way into the game halfway through, but has kind of been there the whole time. Yeah, and then yeah. the the end it uses sort of a lot of environmental storytelling. So the um the whole game sort of things are kind of normal, but as as the the villain who is the you know the god of nature, the the trickster starts to ex- expend influence. You know, trees start looking a little bit more gnarled, and there's more plants everywhere. Um, and then. Right up until the end of the game, like the city that you're in is kind of locked in an eternal spring. But as soon as you manage to beat him, winter just happens straight away. It snows and it's kind of like a nice exhale after this sort of tension of, of sort of fighting against this guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's what's one of my favorite. I have a very vivid memory of beating that on a really hot summer's night in probably 1999. Yeah. Um, I actually tend to like dumb stories in my video games. I mean, I, I like a uh-huh. good, like, really getting involved in a really serious one, but the ones that stand out in my head are a bit more stupid, and I, I, like, I really like Silent Hill. Uh, not Silent Hill, because you were talking about Silent Hill. <laughs> Silent Hill was a dumpster, yeah. That was so crazy. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say Saints Row the Third was a pretty good yeah. fun romp of a story to me, and that's one that always stands out as I, w- I would like to go back and play that again because it was interesting mm. at every turn. The good thing about those is that if you haven't gone through and played them with somebody else, it's it's worth it going back and playing through the whole thing co-op because it, it very neatly supports that. Yeah, and just makes things easier so you don't have to just yeah. stress enough. You can revel in it. Yeah, those games weren't really that hard, so there's not much stress, but it's just a lot more fun when you're there with somebody else and laughing at the dumb stuff that the game does. Yeah, yeah. I am going to kind of leave some of these emails for next week because we're kind of going long, but I do want to touch on one because it's a little bit timely, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one's from Monica. Uh, She says, Hi, David and Anthony. Today is International Women's Day, which prompted me to think about the male-dominated nature of computer games. She's not wrong. Uh, Can you recommend any computer games with a strong lead female character that doesn't feature her big boob, uh, sorry, her big boobs, or scantily (laughs) scantily clothing? In particular, are there any that set a good example for kids, both boys and girls? Mm. Cheers, Monica. I would challenge that... um we are still stuck in a time when women are not represented well in video games. I know it still happens, but if you look at uh, the people who make video games today, you've got, and just off the top of my head, Jade Raymond, who worked for Ubisoft and worked on Assassin's Creed uh, as a producer, and you've got Amy Henning at Naughty Dog, who did the really fantastic writing for um, Uncharted and also for The Last of Us, two of sort of the most landmark games of the last generation. And also, to a lesser extent, because it was contract work, I guess, but Rihanna Pratchett, who wrote for Tomb Raider uh, and Mirror's Edge. So, uh, you know, it's not great, but I think it's it's very quickly getting better. 
sort of the representation of women in games. It's, it's moving well in mm. in. It's moving in the right in the right direction. Behind the scenes, definitely, I think there's definitely more mm. and more women getting into game development and creating games, and that can only mean that in the future there'll be better games or more inspiring games for women to mm. come out because there's definitely a a shortage of strong female leads in games. I mean, I was having a look on Facebook. There were a bunch of game companies posting. It was almost grids of images that had, these are all mm. of the strong female leads and characters, and, you know, that they may have had 12 to 14 characters on it. And yep. it, to me, it was like, there should be way more than those 14, and I couldn't, I was, I was struggling to think of more than those, and I think there does need to be more females and characters. I actually, when I'm creating a character, I generally will create a female character because I think the story is more interesting when, like, I, I had a female shepherd in Mass Effect. Mm, that was one of the games I was going to mention. And she was a badass. She was she was captain of the ship and she was taking charge and shooting people and sorting people's lives out. And I found the game- Fully clothed at all times too. Yeah, completely. She was, you know, she wore exactly what the male shepherd would have worn. And I found the game almost better for it. I mean, I, I see shots of- a male shepherd, and that's it's a little bit kind of generic space adventure. I think it's to me, Mass Effect is this kind of it's champion sort of female space, space adventure. Yeah, but the the inclusion to me of the female ship, or was it fem ship? I think they were calling mm. it, added a, a layer to the game. There was the big thing about them wanting uh, players wanting them to put the female shepherd on the marketing for the game as well. Yeah, which I think they should have. Although then it's weird because then you have to choose. I mean, when the marketing all came out for Mass Effect, they had. They had to choose a look for Shepard, and mm. and because you could, there were so many customization options, that was the one for Shepard. And I, I actually think it would have been weird to add another one in halfway through, and then go, okay, that's our stake in the ground of this is what female Shepard looked like. When my one mm. would not look like the one I had created. Yeah. But what are some other um, things? Even like yeah, more kid kid related. So kid related is tough because you get to a certain age or you get down to a certain age and everything kind of blends together. Characters for very young kids don't seem to have a lot of nuance to them. Um, yeah. But I came up with a couple that, and then when you so when you start to get into good female characters with complicated stories, that's sort of more for early teens or older kids. Um, so the the one that everybody talks about is Jade from Beyond Good and Evil, yep. who's a journal- journalist fighting against a corporation in a in a sort of a a sort of a weird alien world. I guess she's a, she's a person, but there's like talking animals and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Not in sort of like a Disney way, but sort of more in a um, more in a God, I've struggled to think of it. More in a Fifth Element kind of way, mm. if, if if that makes sense. And this is all Michael Ansell, who was. Um, he he did Rayman Legends, which also has uh, you can also play as a female character in, in in sort of I guess Rayman Legends. I'm not sure about the earlier games. Yeah. Um. So the next one I came up with was Shell from Portal and Portal Two. Mm-hmm. Um, it might not be that appropriate for young kids, but I don't think there's there's sort of no violence or shooting. The st- parts of the story might go over their head. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I seem to remember playing. Games where the story, we're watching movies where the story went over my head when I was very young, mm. and I just enjoyed it for what it was. Obviously, we want to say Samus from Metroid, but avoid Metroid Other M at all costs. That was a good um, swerve that Nintendo put into Metroid, and kind of not tipping their hand until right at the end. Yeah, it was a like just keeping it quiet, like you know, 
have everyone play this game as this badass space mm. explorer, and then in the end, it just turns out it's a woman when she takes her takes her helmet off. Yep. So the next one I've got is Gianna Sisters Twisted Dreams, which is it started off actually on the Amiga as a Mario clone because the Amiga didn't obviously have a Mario game, but they wanted a similar one. So mm. some guys wrote a game called the Great Gianna Sisters, uh, and there's a modern one out on PC, which is a Really good platformer where both of the main characters are, fe- uh, are female. Yeah. And sort of they're dressed sort of appropriately. It's very cartoony like like Rayman. So mm. uh, so let's get into- um, Faith, Faith Connors from Mirror's Edge. Yeah, that's I've got her more as an early teen yeah. sort of thing because there is oh, quite a lot of gun violence of in that one. Ages. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Go. Yeah. Uh, and so the last one I picked was a weird one, which was Thomas was alone, mm-hmm. which has is a game about geometric shapes who are moving through a world. And there's a couple of, well, I think at least one of the shapes is uh, a woman called Mary mm. or or a girl called called Mary, and sort of her story is being attracted to one of the other shapes called Chris, who's a bit of a grouch, and she has, sort of has some other struggles that she that that she sort of goes through. But all of these shapes, which are sh- shaped in different ways. Help each other through this through this world. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of my weird one. I popped out some some anime ones as well. So just to go through those really quickly, uh, Reseteer, an item shop's tale about a girl who runs an item shop in an RPG world. We've spoken about um, that in the past. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fortune Summoners by the same crew who – oh, no, sorry, not Fortune Summoners. Fortune Summoners is Lizsoft about a girl who moves into a town and sort of forms – a team with some other girls she goes to school with to fight monsters in a dungeon. Mm. It's it's sort of targeted very much at young kids. And by the same extension, I guess, broken age, would you say? Um, There's at least- It's kind of half and half. Mm. I mean, I guess if you're limit, limiting it to pro- protagonists, there is there is a story there. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, well, that's a really good balance game made in the, mm. the last couple of years, which is a puzzle game. And, and my kids start to, are starting to get into adventure games yep. more than anything. So for early teen, we've already talked about Faith from Mirror's Edge and Commander Shepard from Mass Effect. Yes. Um, I would add to that April- Alice Little from Alice Madness Returns. Mm-hmm. Probably can't put that one in the young category. No. This is, this is when you start to get into yeah. the multi-layer characters who have I would then an add- overarching storyline that does really draw you in. Yes. I would then add into that any character where you are free or any game where you are free to create your own character and it doesn't have any effect on the storyline. So Morrowind, Oblivion, Skyrim, Fallout, World of Warcraft, any RPG that lets you choose, basically. Yeah. And there's something to be said for games where they put a stake in the sand and say this is yeah. this is a game based on a female character rather than, oh, no, you yeah. can choose. Well, no, but there's also something to be said for games that says, look, it really doesn't matter whether you're male or True. female because, you know, you, you, you can do just about anything you want. Yeah, as long as, you know, um, the armor sets for females are equal to the armor sets for mm. you know, males. Yeah, uh, that's why I specifically chose Morrowind, Oblivion, yeah. Skyrim, Fallout, and, and I guess World of Warcraft. Note that Guild Wars is, and Terra are not on that list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so April Ryan and Zoe Castillo from the Longest Journey series, Longest Journey Dreamfall, mm. which are kind of like semi-action, semi-adventure um, games. And they are sort of, they're written by Ragnar Tornquist, who uh, worked on The Secret World for Funcom. He's a, a really good writer, um, and he manages to write deep stories regardless of the, the sort of the gender that he's writing for. Yeah. So two, the one that you probably know, Joanna Dark from Perfect Dark. Yep. Uh, and one that you probably don't, Kate Archer from a game called No One Lives Forever. 
No. Which is difficult to get your hands on these days. And she's a, a kind of a James Bond, but uh, a female James Bond. Yeah. That's all I got for early teens. Uh, and I've just got some quick ones for mid to late teens where we can sort of really open this up. Yeah, and yeah. We're, we're, we're not excluding games because of the content. So Amanda Ripley from Alien Isolation. Yes. Uh, Max Caulfield from Life is Strange, which is kind of like a teenage coming of age story about a girl who returns to a town where she once lived and she has discovered she has the ability to turn back time a very short amount of time and she can only do it a certain number of times. And as her friends uh, have certain crises in their lives, she has to decide, is this where I use this? Is this where I intervene? Yeah. Now, there's also Anna from Valiant Hearts, The Great War, which is a World War One story that's told from multiple perspectives. But sort of Anna is a is a nurse and she sort of has her story alongside her husband who's fighting on one side and her son who's fighting on a different side of the war. So yeah. she's not just she's sort of getting in there in there with it. And it's a very, very affecting game and, and her storyline's written very, very uh well or I, I guess yeah, well's probably the best way yeah, of putting yeah. it. Uh, Heather Mason from Silent Hill 3. Mm-hmm. This one's kind of a little bit out there because Silent Hill 3 is a strange game, but uh, she sort of, she, she's not wearing revealing clothing. She's a teenage girl. She's fighting against um, a, a, a cult, I guess, is the best way you can put it without spoiling Silent Hill yeah, 3 yeah. terribly. Um, and to that, I would add Zoe and Rochelle from Left 4 Dead. They're equally as capable as any of the male characters in those games, and they're both dressed just as a normal person would dress. Yeah. Uh, and if we're throwing in co-op sh- fighters, I would add Sienna and Carillion from Warhammer End Times Vermintide, one of which is a wizard and one of which is like an elven ranger. And Sienna in particular, because it's nice to see a female character that's actually sort of not under 25. <laughs> Studying at the Bright Wizard Academy in the world of War- uh, sorry, in the Warhammer world, you sort of have to be there for a while to 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 be pushed out into the world as a bright wizard. So it's sort of not nice to see a yeah, middle-aged person. Yeah, and, you know, there's also uh, For Honor, which just came out, which is a fighting mm. game based on uh, different types of um, old medieval, um, you know, Vikings, samurai, those type of things. Um, that has male and female choices for characters, and the mm. female armor is not a scantily clad non-armor. It's... You actually yeah. have to kind of squint and go, oh, actually, I think that's a girl under all that armor because it is. it mm. does look like functional armor. They've really done their research. and All the way up to the neck. Yeah. Uh, There's also uh, Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn, which I've been playing a lot. Yep. She's a, definitely a strong hero lead. Um, one of my favorite uh, female characters, which is not really appropriate for kids, is uh, Clementine from mm. uh, the Walking Dead Telltale series. Yeah. Um, she sees some shit and she kind of holds it together better than any of the adults in that game. She's one yeah. of the most engaging better than, characters. Better than most of the adults yeah. in that game. She's one of the most engaging characters in that game and she's just this little, I don't know how old she is, 10, 8 yeah. to 10-year-old. So she's really good. Um, I'll go, what do you think of Lara Croft as a character? Probably newer games only. Yes. In... Uh, What's, what are the what are the latest Tomb Raider? One, one was just Tomb Raider, and the other one was Rise of the Tomb was, Raider, I believe. Yeah, both both also written by Rihanna Pratchett, who wrote uh, the characters for Mirror's Edge. Yeah, and that one was a weird one for me because she was portrayed as just she's a badass and she's this, this young girl who's learning how to survive in the wilderness, and she's not particularly skilled or she's not particularly overly effeminate either. She's just getting down to it and surviving. But they do do a thing where all the death animations are really 
almost overly gory, like it's mm. this kind of- Gratuitous violence. Yeah, gratuitous violence type thing, which kind of made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I think it made me feel uncomfortable even if it was a man, but I'm not sure whether it was just because yeah, I was looking yeah. at a woman falling down a mountain, cracking her ribs and breaking arms as she's falling down. But that was a little bit weird for me. But that was, yeah, the later portrayals of Lara Croft have been really good. Uh, I would only add a couple more to that list. I would add um, Red from Transistor, which is the Supergiant Games follow-up to Bastion, um, who doesn't speak much during the game because she's lost her voice, but uh, it's, it's still a a pretty awesome portrayal of a female in a video game. Yep. Sort of borderline, I guess, is Siri from The Witcher. Um, is that? Yeah, is that it's, yeah. Well, it kind of depends on how far into the game you are because you do play a Siri every now and then. Yeah. Uh, and in no way is Siri completely helpless because not not only, like, I don't know how much you know of her backstory, but not only is she sort of supremely talented and skilled because of her training as a witcher, but she's also extremely dangerous because of the sort of the half-elven blood that she carries in her that allows her to sort of just manipulate through time. Yeah, see, it's ever hell she wants. See, that one's a weird one for me in this category because I think if you take The Witcher as a whole, I probably wouldn't say, hey, that's a great inspiring story for women. He does mm. kind of tend to use women a little bit and you, there is gratuitous nudity in there, but not, you know, I mean, I suppose the latest one has Geralt having baths and stuff, but it's not as gratuitous mm. on, on his side. I'd love to see a Witcher game based around Siri and just see it from her perspective as an empowering women-based game. But I, I actually, well, in my heart of hearts, I can't say, hey, young girl who's really looking forward to some female role model, you should play The Witcher. Yeah, I don't know. I would argue that um, that The Witcher uh, treats both sexes equally, especially in The Witcher 2 where Geralt and um, I've forgotten her name now, Triss Marigold, are travelling to uh, Flotsam uh, and uh, it turns out that not only that, that while on their voyage, you know, Triss has been paying attention to the other men on on the ship, and when Geralt asks who it is, she says it's none none of your concern because it's not really any of your business. Mm. She she's sort of not just used as an object. She like if all of the men are going to sort of in that game are sort of going to gallivant around, then she can too because it, it should be equal. Yeah, I mean, it does have moments. I just I probably wouldn't point to it as a as a triumph of women's liberty in games. I, I have referred to that series as Mills and Boone for, for guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. And probably the, I've got one more, which is going to be very, very controversial. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bayonetta from the Bayonetta games. As a Bayonetta is, is portrayed as a sex object, but she doesn't care. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it doesn't make any difference. Like, I wouldn't put this on the list except for the fact that there was a, a podcast I used to listen to for G4 where they had a panel and they were talking about it. Uh, and Abby Heppy, who was one uh, one of the journalists there, said she doesn't consider Bayonetta as as being sexist because when she's approached by men, she either rejects them completely, and none of them can do anything about it. They can't force her, or yeah, they can't. Yeah. She she is completely in control of her own destiny, and everything she does is because she wants to uh, uh, do it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. That 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 one's a hard one because it is that grey area of we're we're in. A stage where we're trying to show equality and almost over equalize on the other side because things have been so shit for so long that a game like that saying, 
oh, no, but, you know, she may be scantily clad and she's doing all this stuff, but she doesn't care. I mean, I I agree, but I don't think that's in the spirit of of the change that we're trying to make. Right. I mean, I I think if things were a lot more even and had been a lot more even for a lot longer, you could kind of point to that and say, that's fine, she's kind of using her sexuality in a positive way, but it's just, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm still a little bit uncomfortable with that one. Okay. But that's why we have these talks, discussions, because everyone's different. All right. There we go. That's uh, emails. We'll have another couple next week. Uh, but if you've got any questions or you want us to talk about any particular topic, please email in. Uh, the email address is semicast at semiinformatic.com. It is indeed. We may even remember to check it. <laughs> yeah, or may even know how to check it on an iPad. Uh, now we're going to move on to releases of the week. Uh, we're going to, there's been a couple. Not really that many, unless you've got something to add to mm. it. Uh, well, just just sort of switch based stuff. Although I think we might be a, w- a week late on that, aren't we? Yeah. Um, Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom three, which we've mentioned a couple times already on the podcasts uh, coming up leading up to this one. That's that was released on Steam and Windows. Hooray, Windows! This week, so get your Marvel versus Capcom on. And there was also a PS4 system update. Update uh, 4.5 went live this week. I've been messing around with the beta version for the past month and a half. Um, but that's included support for external hard drives, which uh, was a weird non-inclusion. So you can actually plug uh, an external hard drive in and have larger than one to two terabytes, which is good. You can get yourself an eight terabyte drive and install all your games on that. Previous to that, they allowed you to swap out the internal hard drive, which the Xbox don't really do. There's not really an, an easy way to do it. Uh, and but the most important thing that it added was a boost mode for PS4 yeah. Pro users, which provides a performance boost for games which haven't been optimized I'm, for the PS4 Pro. So it might give you better better frame rate on those games. I'm still waiting to see if those consoles show up in Costco and how much they are. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because um, they haven't really dropped that much in price. Mm. But I think they're going to have to do something because the Scorpio is coming and that looks probably going to be a little bit more powerful, but they can always point to their game library and drop the price a little bit and... Equalize it a little bit. Mm. And we are the ones who end up winning. Yes, absolutely. Competition is great. Uh, so that's going to do it. Uh, what have we got coming up on the site? Uh, I recorded a, um, a little short video on Polybridge since I like that game so much. That's oh, coming out. Uh, and I started posting the Dark Souls series last week and we'll probably get episode two of that up at some stage this week. Yeah, cool. Uh, I might do something with my PS2. Now I can capture a video from that. Mm. Now I'm borrowing your capture card until mine arrives. So we might, on Friday Night Fights, if I can figure it out, we might do uh, Capcom versus SNK2. Or I do have, in the mail, shipped to me. Because I was watching on Netflix, there was a documentary called Hip Hop Evolution. And I was watching the episode that talked about Def Jam and the creation of Def Jam with Rick Rubin and Russell Simmons. And it got me thinking about what Rick Rubin did after he left Def Jam. So I was looking up uh, his uh, exploits into his American Recordings record label and working with Johnny Cash and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, But I then remembered that there were a couple of fighting games on the PS2 called... uh, One was Def Jam Vendetta Mm -hmm. and one was Def Def Jam Fight for New York where you can fight as hip-hop artists. So I've um, ordered a couple of those from eBay and we'll throw those into the mix on Friday Night Fight. Excellent. Which means I can fight as Method Man and the RZA from the Wu-Tang Clan. Mm. 
I don't know. So, I, I don't, um, I don't, well, actually, I know who those people are, but I'm not familiar with any of their music. Oh, okay. I've been listening to a bit of them recently. Mm. So there we go. There we go. That's been a bit of a long one, uh, but we've had some interesting things to talk about. Yep. Thanks for sending in emails. They provide us with a lot of kind of good thoughts. So that's going to do it. Thank you for listening. Uh, my name's David Shack. I'm here with Anthony Murphy, as always. Remember, we love that you love doing what you love. Goodbye. Lots of love. Bye.